Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. <laughs> ah, yes. Another day, another great show. Uh, welcome to Money Making Conversation. As stated earlier, my name is Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That is because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your plan and committed effort. The Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to the listener about career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. Now, let's get this show rolling. My next guest was born in Newark, New Jersey. I've known him for a very long time. His cousin is Hall of Fame basketball player Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> While attending college, he majored in economic at Rutgers University. He's built one of the most diverse acting resumes in Hollywood, stand-up comedy specials, Access Hollywood, Rachel Ray, HBO's Insecure, game show hosts, films like Any Given Sunday and Love Jones, which is still my favorite movie that he has starred in. He is on the show to promote the new Netflix limited series, Self-Made, the Madam C.D. Walker story, which premieres March 20th on Netflix. It stars Academy Award winner Octavia Spencer, Blair Underwood, Tiffany Haddish. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, the other star of self-made, the Madam C.J. Walker story, Bill Bellamy. Thank you for having me, Rashad, <laughs> man. It's just, you know, it's funny you know, when you're working hard, you forget. I'll be forgetting how much stuff I've done. I just keep grinding. <laughs> hey, Bill, and Bill, and shorten it. I had to shorten it, okay? Because we all Yo, know. I'm being honest, man. It's just like, you know, it just, just hearing you say that, that, you know, the things that I've done, it just makes me realize that, you know, all the hard work is not in vain and that the passion for the, for the craft of acting and comedy has been my, you know, sort of my engine to my longevity because right. I just love doing it. Like, you know, it's not like work to me to, to, to be in projects and be funny and stuff like that. And I guess, you know, it's been a secret recipe to, you know, me being a success, you know, in a part of my blueprint in the entertainment business, you know, really special. Cause we see now so many comics and so many, uh, Comedic actors are not crossing over to be game show hosts, you know, led by Steve Harvey, Anthony Anderson, Michael Strahan. But let's go back mm -hmm. here. Let's go back to Def Comedy Jam, where they popped off. Yeah. And then you yes, crossed sir. over to MTV. I'm talking about every comic in America was looking at you going, how he do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how did he do that? Like, how did he just jump a lane? <laughs> you know something, Bill? You went from, you went from booty call to MTV. Was it, what? Yeah, and was articulate and was natural. Talk about that journey right there, because we we take for granted because what we see on TV nowadays, and we're going back to you know '92 when Def Jam popped off and the tours and everything, and to see your brand man cross over and look so comfortable because MTV was definitely you know a white music channel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was a BET, and I was one of 
very few African-Americans that had a place in that platform, you know, and, and it was, you know, and they took a chance, you know, um, honestly, Tracy Jordan, who was at that time, she was head of talent relations. She thought I was a really funny guy. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, you know, we need some humor. We need some, you know, some cool to uh, come to MTV. And I was like, right. I was in the right place at the right time. Right. And, and what, what, what made it, what made it work for me was because I was a part of the culture. So just imagine, right. Def comedy jam was the hippest, newest, <laughs> coolest urban thing that, that hit the street. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so, so everybody was tuning in every Friday night. Everybody was talking about it because we had never seen nothing like this before. Right. Where you mm-hmm. could watch TV for a half hour and you know you're gonna laugh every minute of that half mm-hmm. hour. You was mm-hmm. going to be on the floor laughing, right? Absolutely, running around, running around, slapping people, running around. <laughs> you trying to record it on VHS, you know? <laughs> so I was a part of that explosion. And what people don't realize, another lucky thing that happened for me was I was the first comedian on the very first show of Death Comedy Jam. Mm-hmm. So I literally got all that exposure, like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And they re-air them at night. So I got buzzed in the, you know, on the black hip-hop stuff mm-hmm. and then turned around and got the most pop mainstream job known to man. Right. So right. my so my name exploded. It was like I came out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, this is dude named Bill Bellamy. Because when I did a uh, Def Comedy Jam, mm-hmm. people didn't really know my name. Right, they knew my right. jokes. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, you do the booty call. You do the call. Right. Joke. <laughs> they used to they used to call me uh, you you Ralph Bellamy, right? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> so so um, that MTV was a blessing because I got a chance to get exposed to everyone in America. And it wasn't just black folks. It was everybody. So I ended up getting the benefit of that exposure. And I knew I had a purpose there. I wanted to represent us in the right way. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be no, I didn't want to be no cornball dude on there looking like, you know, I, I wasn't a representative of, of our culture. Absolutely. So it was very, it was very purposeful for me to go on there and take advantage of that situation and end up, being the best choice because, you know, I started getting all the good interviews. Yes. You know, I was, you know, Janet Jackson, yes. you know, Mariah yes. and Snoop and Dre and Tupac and Biggie. I was getting all the, mm-hmm. everybody that was hot in the culture came to me. Right. You know, it, so really, I, it really was, a, that, that, was a, that was a unique time yeah. for you as a talent, man. You know, but, but yeah. then, you know, the thing I loved about it is that, you know, that's why I mentioned your, your, your college education, because you came from the corporate world. Yeah, I, 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 was, I went to Rutgers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this was the thing. I, I didn't know I was going to get into acting and entertainment like that. You know, I always had a love for it. I went to school um, for economics and marketing. My, mar- my minor was marketing. Mm-hmm. My uh, major was economics, so I was more or less thinking about financing, entrepreneurship in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And get get this, I, I, I did comedy like as a joke, messing around <laughs> in school. You know, you're in college, it's like, man, we need a host. I was like, I'll host that thing, I could be funny. Right. And, then the, and then the dude said, yeah, well, come on. I was like, huh? Oh, you, you serious? You want me to do it for real? So, right, <laughs> so, right, right, right. So I right. started hosting it. You know, you know how in college they got the little, t- 
them little five dollar talent shows and Absolutely. stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we all we all been there and uh, I was still going to school, doing my thing, getting ready, you know, for my what I thought would be my corporate lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And um once I started doing that comedy thing, it's like a uh it's it's contagious. Like I was like, Oh my god, this is way more fun than anything I could imagine. It just I just remember it made me happy. But I you know, always let's, remember let's, let's talk about that. You was doing mm-hmm. comedy in in Newark in one of the toughest comedy clubs. Yes, sir. In the country now, see people didn't know the backstory because everybody look at Bill Bellis in a suit, looking good, smooth hairstyle, articulate. But you was doing stand up comedy in one of the toughest environments. Nobody understand it, right? It was so funny. You've been knowing me a long time because everybody. My biggest thing was I didn't look like a comedian. That's what everybody kept saying. Right. You know calling me a pretty boy and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to be funny. Forget all the looks. I don't care. But you can't control what you look like. I know I'm funny, right? Right, right, right. But, right. but the thing about it was, the best thing was, it made me become a real comedian because people underestimated me. Mm-hmm. So I had to prove something. I had something to prove. I had a chip on my shoulder. And I had the best workout club in the country, which yes, was sir. the Peppermint. Everybody, everybody did my club from... I'll name anybody you yes. from Steve Harvey to yeah. Ted to to to, to uh, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, right. uh, Tracy Morgan, everybody, JB Smooth, they all had to do my club. And um But that audience though. But that audience though, Bill, those that audience wasn't the regular audience though. Oh yeah. They was damn near they was damn near from the uh from the Apollo. They was like recruited at the Apollo and came to my club, the boo people. They was ridiculous. <laughs> That's what I love. That's what that's what I love about my show. I get to you know because everybody see you now, but the journey is what I love to tell people about. You know that history and and your history making talent because that suit look that you carried, you know, brought on that was your brand, and that brand has has allowed you to be a host on Access, be a host with Rachel Ray, to be a host. You you know your your ability to look professional look like a corporate yeah. guy and then you could swing and be just a regular street guy that was a nice balance for your brand correct and that was yes and that was actually on purpose because that corporate world taught me that when you are successful you have to look like the success you're presenting and you have to feel authentic and most brands this is where my college came in to help me create my own brand in my in my career is that most brands that are successful are relatable, they are reliable, and they are consistent. And you have to have that. So it was important that I look a certain way. It was important that every time you saw me, I was really, really funny. Right. And I had to have the same, I had to show up and show out every time the same way. Like I had to always keep bringing it, bringing it, bringing it. But what ended up happening, people started relating to it and started expecting that. So they would say, oh, yeah, that's the dude that wear the suits. Oh, that's the dude that's right. clean. That's, you know, they, they had something they thought about me. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. And, and, that, and that ended up being a really great thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize, and we didn't talk about it in the early 90s, but we were brands. There were, you know, Def Comedy Jam was a brand mm-hmm. that helped us be branded the best comedies, comics in the country. Yes. Because literally... Def Comedy Jam stamped you as one of the best comics in the country. 
you know, it, it was really beautiful, man. Just, you know, because I was a part of that journey and watching you just yes. break out, you know, watching Bernie break out. But just watching you because you were uniquely different from us because, you know, you were a, you were a, a talk show guy. You was articulate. You know, you look like you could be selling a toothpaste, you know, selling, yes. selling Tide, you know, selling cars. You know, that was your that was that was the cool thing about it because when I hear Bill Bailey was hosting the tour, you know, Def Comedy Jam tour. That was a natural because your gifts allowed you to walk out there confidently. Where did that confidence come from? Was it the days at Peppermint? Was it the way you were brought up? Where did that confidence come from, Bill? Well, a lot of it was a lot of it was the practice and the hard work, mm-hmm. you know, at the Peppermint and having a room to to work out and see because most guys don't realize, you know, as comics it's hard to get set when you're young and you knew, you know, everyone won't give you a lot of time. You get 10 minutes, you get five minutes, you know, stuff like that. But the, what I got lucky was I had a room where I could work out every <laughs> week and do jokes and improv and like, yes. you know, make a bad joke that don't work, go back and fix it. You know what I'm saying? So I had a chance to get good. Yes. So when they, when, when the opportunity came, I was literally ready. Yes. Like I was, I was good on my feet. Yes. So, like, I could host the show because you, when you're hosting the show, you got to be good on your feet. Anything can go wrong. Yes. You know, you might have to ad-lib a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that, all those skills came back to be an attribute um, to help me, you know, seem very seamless on TV. I was and I prepared. Like, I always was very prepared for my interviews. I didn't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I made sure I really knew the people that I was, you know, talking to, to and mm-hmm. I, not so that I could talk to them. Just like you really know me, you know what yes. I'm saying? It's not like an interview. It's just like kicking it with your boy, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Absolutely. You know, and now so, I'm talking to my boy, Bill Bellamy. Yeah. He's uh, starting a new <laughs> Netflix limited series, uh, Self-Made, the Madam C.J. Walker story. Before we get into yeah. the actual uh, gut of the show, let's talk about two very key executive producers who producers who own this show, LeBron James and Maverick Carter. You know, these two individuals uh, who are showing that being an athlete or being the uh, person who's uh, working with the athlete in the uh, in the uh, management side and the agency side, that's Maverick Carter. How important is do you feel their roles played in this uh, project being uh, greenlit? Well, I think it it was first of all, it's a lot of reasons why this project was got made. It's one of the most Madam C.J. Walker is one of the most prolific women in American history. Absolutely. She also is obviously African-American, but it, it's just a story that's inspiring for women. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Octavia wanted to do this passion project. Yes. Um, teamed up with LeBron and Maverick and those guys, and they, they, they wanted to do it as well. And it's like, when you use your leverage, you got the stars, you got the passion, <laughs> yes. and we got the project. You and, got the the media, and the social media. And the social media. Yeah, because they already know we can promote it. They already know it's a great story. They already know we got talented actors, and we got the stars and the power. So we everyone put their put their Superman suit on, and we made a, a great limited series. Like mm-hmm. I think people are going to be buzzing about it. It's coming out March 20th. You're going to start... You know, we, you're going to see a bunch of press. You're going to see me, mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer, Tiffany Haddish, Blair Underwood, Carmen Njogo. We're all going to be doing something. Casey Lemons, who is the director, she also directed Harriet. Mm-hmm. So her movie was just nominated for an Oscar. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we got all this 
all this great power. We did, this is what I hope we can continue to do mm-hmm. in the business of mm-hmm. entertainment mm-hmm. is tell our stories and um, team up together and, and make make stuff that, you know, like the Love Jones, like Madam C.J. Walker, classics, you know, that, you know, we can look back and be proud of, you know. I'm, I'm happy to be in this project where people are going to say, well, dang, how Bill Bellamy... Bill Bellamy did that too. I love it. I love it. We're talking about man Bill Bellamy. We're going to be right back. You listen to Money Making Conversation. We're going to get more detail about the movie. About a man who has a blessed career because he's a blessed talent. He's a one of a kind. I just feel fortunate that I've known this young man and watch him grow. He's watching me grow. And uh, to be on my show today is, uh, as they say, a turning point as uh, one, you know, changing lanes, my brother. I'm hosting and he talking. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, you're listening to Rashawn McDonald, and this is Money Making Conversation. I'm your host. Self-made, the Madam C.J. Walker story. Um, Bill is one of the stars of that project that uh, comes out, uh, to say, Television limited television series on Netflix, March twentieth. Bill, um, you know when you get engaged, you start talking about the 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 power of a particular project like this. The you know hair care business, which you know is so still so dominant today. She was the yes, first self made. I mean, wasn't inherited self made female millionaire. You know, in that yes. time, which is crazy when you think about early nineteen hundreds. How the hell did she do it? That's what I'm. <laughs> I still can't believe it. I know. You this know, there's no Martin Luther King Jr., no Malcolm X. Yes, we talking early 1900s, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was driving and around she, in the cars, had the the coats, everything. She was she was looking like yeah. she was rich too. That was the cool thing she about. Was the, she was the first Oprah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And so, so when you when you when you when you look at the talent involved, you know. You know, like you mentioned, like Octavia uh, Spencer, you got your boy. See, it, it's, it's certain African-American men who look like they could have lived in that era. You know what I'm saying? And Bill yeah. Bellamy and Black Underwood, they look like they could have been rolling back there. Hop out Wait. the car looking normal. Looking normal. Wait, <laughs> let, let me tell you what's so crazy that you just said that, right? Mm-hmm. So the, so just imagine it's the early 1900s. Right. Black black people dressed so fly. We yes. were very meticulous. Right. Very. We were suited and booted. Mm-hmm. I mean, the suits, the fabrics. I don't know what we had, the money, but we was just <laughs> clean, right? When I went to wardrobe and put on this, these amazing suits, right. I felt like I, I always said, this must be my great-grandfather. Yes. I, I, I felt like I was like, this is what my great-grandfather looked like. Right, right, right. Because when you see me, when I the way I look, like you gonna be like, yep, he could have he could have been in the nineteen oh nineteen twelve. Just walk out the house. I'm just a bit when when it, when it was announced, you was a part of it. See, that's what I was supposed to say. You know, great casting makes a great series. You know what I'm saying? And yes, and you know you know look, I, I, I'm a cat. I've cast enough talent to people to go. He's perfect for that role, Blair Underwood. 
He's perfect. We don't have to mess with the hair. Don't have to do no powder, makeup, nothing. They got to walk. <laughs> you, 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 you know what I'm saying? Just walk out there. Just walk out there and be yourself, brother. You look like, because back then, like you said, man, you know, black barbers, you know, used to all have white. You used to walk to go to barbers, barber shops and suits. We used to look really good, man, and how we good, approach ourselves when we, we walked out in public. And We were well-groomed. We, it, was a, it was an era. It was a style that was really imminent at that time, you know, where you had top hats. We had the ladies dressed in these beautiful flowing dresses. Right. Even the ladies wore nice hats sometimes, you know, with a little flower on it and stuff. Like, so when you go back and you look how elegant we were, mm-hmm. you know, we were very elegant and stylish people. So I was just like, dang, man. It felt like we went back in time, to be honest with you. I felt like I got a chance to go in a time machine and just go back and see all my cousins in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's beautiful because of the fact that, you know, you're naturally funny, Bill. And this is a drama. This is a drama. Okay. But you yeah. always go put that Bill Bellamy spin. That's what I love about you. You know, you're going you're gonna to find a way to bring some natural humor. And that's one of the yes. reasons why you were cast because, you know, you don't want something to be just, you know, like that was a bad time, a sad time for black people. We're just telling the story yeah. about a, a person who who had limited education skills, you know, had to teach herself yeah. how to read and write. You know what I'm saying? And uh, mm-hmm. was motivated through the hair care business, which, I, which, which really is amazing that way back then, you know, she figured it out. And today we're still, you know. In the billion-dollar industry, you look at things like Essence and the owner of Essence, you know, is is in the billion-dollar hair care business and things like that. So, so that really is a it's kind of like a time machine when you look at what's happening today and what happened back then when you was telling that story. That black people yeah, care true. about how they look, especially women. Absolutely, especially women. And to this day, it's a part of our culture. It's a need. Um, Madam C.G. Walker saw that there was a need, and her her her. Her purpose or her mission statement was to make black women feel beautiful yes. and black women that look like her. And everyone said, no, no, you can't do that. You got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. She had a vision in her mind that she wanted to, to be this way. And she kept chipping at it till she got it the way she wanted. And that to me was like the pioneering part about it. And my character is, I play a guy named sweetness, sweetness, is that hustler? That, um, <laughs> the name right that there. Used to, the name yeah. right there. Come on now, Bill. Sweetness. Come on now. Come on now. Uh, I knew I'm they cast you right. <laughs> yeah, they they wanted they wanted it, man. You know what I'm saying? I had to go put it on them. They said uh, they needed that person that was going to bring that that kind of suave sort of uh, you know sort of dangerous part of yes. What the, what the street side of St. Louis was, you know, mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. so basically, my character was a numbers runner. You know, he the dude that came up in the in the barber shop mm-hmm. with the piece of paper mm-hmm. and wrote the numbers down to play the horses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was always selling something, right, right. But he but see the thing about it is a lot of people don't get get it that the hustler is a salesman. The hustler the hustler has got maybe four or five products, you know. He mm-hmm. might be, you know, he might help you get some ladies. He might help you, you know, get you a car. <laughs> he he maybe get you a real bad loan. Yes. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. So, now, now, you you executive produced a, a stand-up comedy show called uh, Who Got Jokes on TV One. Yes. And yes, a, a very talented lady appeared on your show back then, Tiffany Haddish. 
who's yeah. now starring. Isn't that, it, that's what I love about life, you know, when you get to see the journeys, you know, somebody you introduced on your show. To the world. To the world. Yeah. Tiffany Haddish, and we all know what Girls Trip did for her career, and uh, she's exploded in, on the face. You know, when you, when you see things like that, because she's not the only one you've introduced on that show that, have, that are turning pages, and you've done, you know, the Shaq comedy all-stars and all these things. Talk about, mm-hmm. just just talk about your 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 influence, Bill Bellman. Just, because my, when I do the show Money Making Conversation, a lot of people, I, I have a key word I say, industry decision makers, people who influence yeah. the game. And you have, like yeah. I said, let's go all the way back to Peppermint. When you mentioned yeah. all those names, Steve Harvey, Cedric, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, all those people who went through. And I told you, I knew. I stayed away from that club. I knew about Peppermint, brother. I wasn't going up there to get my feelings hurt. I wasn't going up there to get my feelings I, I knew about you. I said, and, I, and when I, you know, I only knew your name, Bill Bellamy. But when I saw you, I went, that dude, that dude was the host of Peppermint? This guy right here? And so I was expecting, because yeah. the, the club's reputation was so powerful, because he know. Everybody was coming to the club. Thugs were coming in that audience. Drug dealers were coming in that audience. It was a. It was criminals were sitting in that audience. So criminals <laughs> was laughing on Thursday night. That's what was crazy. Criminals, see, see. dudes that don't, that dudes that do harm every week, but on the Thursday they they, they put their gun down and buy a bottle and be up there laughing their butt off. It, it's a trip, man. Comedy, comedy and music is like a part of us that we gotta have. It's really crazy. Gotta, it's really crazy because he's telling the truth. I, you know, when I hosted Hip Hop Comedy Stop in Houston, and I'm telling you something, man, I used to look at people. I, I, people would laugh at me and shake my hands. I swear to you, on the other side of the door, I'd be nervous. But they were so infatuated with my talents as a stand-up. And when they would look at you, Bill, they would look at you like, man, I wish I could be you. Man, you yeah. the, you the man. But you know going You like, almost got a pass because they like that you make them laugh. Yes. Which, which is true. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yes, because, and the sad part about, if you do stand up long enough, a host of color long enough, you stop seeing them. Either something happened to them, or they got picked yeah. up, or mm-hmm. something happened to them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, something happened to them. <laughs> and so, yes. so, so when you see a talent like a Tiffany Haddish, who you brought on the show and a number of other talents, and you look at the state of stand-up comedy, and you've done so many specials as a stand-up comedy, introduced as one of the rising stars of stand-up. You're acting, you're on radio as a host, you you do host specials. Bill Bellamy, you look at your resume, what do you tell a young talent? Because you don't seem to say, I can't do something. I'm willing to do it. But you said something that was really key. Rashawn, I do my homework. If somebody interviews me, I get to know who they are. So it's a relationship yes. when we talk. Talk about that, Bill. I think what, we, what, what people have to understand is success is not always uh, a happenstance or a coincidence. A lot of success uh, comes from years of preparation, years of work ethic, years of concentration and focus on the thing that you want, right? I knew I wanted to be a star before I became a star. You know, I knew that I was going to wear suits because I wanted to look different and look polished. Mm-hmm. I wanted to look successful. Mm-hmm. That was on purpose, right? That, those, that was before it happened, though. Right. So just think, I had it in my head that I'm looking at the landscape of comedy. Right. I'm like, how can I make a splash in a business that don't know me? I want people to see me and be excited. I want people to see me and be interested. So I presented myself as something that was 
good, something that was funny and something that was like kind of like, what the heck is that? Right. Because, you know, I, I didn't look like I look like everybody said, you look like you about to drop an R&B album, you know. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. You look, look like, well, you know. so I was like, I ain't got I, I was like, I can't sing, but I can slang these jokes. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so what ended up happening is and what I can say to the younger or any business person or any entrepreneur is you got to have the vision for what you want to do and you have to supply a need that's how you, that's how brands become huge. You supply something that doesn't exist. You create something and create a demand for it. Right. Right. Now, now you're looking at you, you, you look at when I came out, nobody was wearing suits. Then everybody started trying to dress up. Then, and then, then, then there was no like really leading man looking comedians. It's just not, you know, except for Eddie Murphy. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when I came out, you know, everybody was like, well, who's that guy? And then yes. I started doing movies. Then I did how to be a player. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, you can be funny. Mm-hmm. And you can be charming and, and still be successful and you don't have to be considered, you know, a straight goofball because you are funny. Right. So you know, I found a way to make funny a business. Well, you are you are a business. You are a brand. That's the I'm talking to Bill Bellamy. You know, his work I, 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 in my early intro, I said he has one of the most diverse acting resumes uh, in Hollywood, stand up comedy specials, Access Hollywood, co-hosting with Rachel Ray. HBO's Insecure, game show host, way before, you know, Steve Harvey was doing game show hosts, way before Michael Strahan or Anthony Anderson, you know, played a wide receiver in any given Sunday with Jamie Foxx. And like, again, uh, you know, Love Jones, which, you you know, I Love Jones is still one of my favorite movies that you performed in. And, uh, you know, those are those rich movies. And that's what you mentioned. You you feel this type of project will be similar, will impact people because I saw Harriet twice. So I know the quality and she deserved to be nominated for an Oscar in that particular yeah. movie in her role. And these are movies that they're not they're not trying to uh, they're not documentaries. These are this yeah. entertainment, but it's told in a story that in a way. And I'm glad it's not a one off Bill Bellamy. I'm right. glad it's a limited series. So, you know, you can you can tell a beginning, middle and end. Right. Yeah. And you get the chance to um, really get engulfed in the characters and what. I think people are going to love is the acting. They're going to love the story. They're going to love the motivation of this woman in the, at a certain time. And it's going to inspire guys and girls to be like, yo man, look at what Madam CJ Walker did in the early 1900s, all this racism and this and that and the other, and she made it happen. So, What's your excuse? <laughs> you got, you got, you got smartphones. You got the internet. You got all kinds of stuff going on. You talking about you can't make somebody or something? Man, right. you better get out of here. Right, right. You know, you you left home. You you just left home back then. You just left home. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Madison J. Walker out here with no no Wi-Fi. He ain't got nothing. No backup. <laughs> Oh my goodness, self-made. The Madam C.J. Walker story starring my man Bill Bellamy starts March 20th on Netflix. It's a limited series. I got Netflix, so I definitely will be watching. Bill, thank you for coming on my show, my man. You know, you know from my heart, you're a special man. I love you. When I needed you to fill in for Steve on certain dates, I needed you for different. You never, never said no, Rashad, to where I need to be, brother. Whatever you need me, I got you, man. And I'm so happy to be a part of your success. 
our stories are overlapping, obviously, but you're a hardworking dude, super smart man. I'm glad that you are doing things that are inspiring the culture and giving people hope and inspiration. So I love you for that, bro. And keep grinding. I will. You know that. My next guest is one of the world's most requested motivational speakers. She is a best-selling author, coach, founder, and CEO of Motivating the Masses Incorporated. From a struggling struggling single mom on public assistance to a millionaire entrepreneur, her global platform has reached nearly 8 million, 80 million people. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my dear friend, Lisa Nichols. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be with you today, Rashawn. Thank you. Thank you. Success has is, uh, is, is, is been a journey. You know, you've become a household name. Uh, to get everything started here, with that being said, what is your gift, Lisa? What, what would you say your gift is? It's mm, a great question to start with. I, I think my, my gift is the ability to see and feel uh, and be with people exactly where they are. Right. Uh, and, right. And, and then to be a, 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 a possible pathway to the man or the woman that they're looking to become. So I, I can't be all of that to them, but I can be right where they are with them, hold that space, and then open up a doorway, a conversation, an action plan, a, a mindset on the journey to the person that they say they want to become. I, I love the way you kind of like say, you kind of hung on that word say, <laughs> you know, I'm listening to, you know, you're a motivator now, you know, you don't hang on a word that long unless it means that people have these dreams. They have these expectations of themselves, but is it the effort there? Is it the plan there? And that's what you're talking about when you're hanging on the word say, correct? Right, right. Well, first of all, yeah, I call that a verbal highlight. So I'm going <laughs> to highlight that word uh, as a verbal highlight. And, and, and it's, it's, I understand what your intentions are. I hear what you're saying. Right. But is the, to- is the tongue in your mouth and mm. the tongue in your shoe going in the same direction? <laughs> That's my question. It's a beautiful question to have because, you know, we always hear the words. That's popular words in the, in the motivational world. And that's everyday life now. You know, what's your brand? What's your passion? What's your give? Jump for the opportunity. You know, follow, your, you know, follow your lead. Uh, uh, go out on faith. These, these terms can be, they can be, they're, they're useful, but they can also be dangerous because just to go out on faith without a plan, I always tell people, is a mistake. And also, you know, not even understanding what your brand is. And sometimes you should, like, as you're growing your brand, you should stay where you are until your your brand can somewhat afford you an opportunity to pay some bills. So when you're doing this whole process of traveling and meeting everybody, like I said in your in your intro, you know, from a struggling single mom on public assistance to a, a millionaire entrepreneur, how do you uh, balance those conversations, Lisa Nichols? You know. I, I, I adopted a long time ago this theory that I learned. I had never heard of it until I was like probably into my late 30s, early 40s. And it was called, it's called cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. And cognitive dissonance, I invite anyone who's listened to my voice, look it up, study it, and become a, an, an, an avid applier mm-hmm. of cognitive dissonance. And right. cognitive dissonance is when you see yourself further in front of you than you actually are. Right. And you, you know that in order to get there, you have to do something different. So it's a disruption of the brain. The brain is seeing you in a space that you physically are not, financially are not. And you know that if that's who you are to become, 
You need to do some things that you're not doing. Stop doing some things that you are doing. Begin to adopt some ways of thinking that you haven't adopted yet. That literally there is a mental discomfort because the way you're living, being, operating, and what you're experiencing is incongruent to who you know yourself to be. Wow. So I, I early on, Rashawn, adopted that behavior and mindset. Right. Now, the interesting thing about that is that so because uh, you used the word early on. So let's go back to your background a little bit, because there are a lot of people want to be you or a version of you or feel that they can do this. They can motivate people because people call my show. They stop me in the streets. They know who I am. They go, hey, I want to get into motivational speaking business. I have some things I want to say. So how did you well, tell us about your background and how did you get started, Lisa? Well, you know, it's funny because I didn't. I didn't step into motivation, inspiration, or transformation. Those are all, you know, in the same zip code. Right, right. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't step into this community saying I wanted to be this person. I stepped in the, into this community working to save my own life. Wow. So I, I, I am a wounded healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a victim uh, who just kept going to Victor. And I sat down the victim conversation and picked up the, I want to be a champion for this kind of experience for others because I came through it. So um, I discovered motivation because I was so depressed and mm-hmm. I was so sad and I was broken, broken. Mm-hmm. And then I became tired of being broken, broken. It didn't happen overnight that I knew how to stop being broken, broken. broken, broken. <laughs> um, I, I, I just started a quest to... One, discover who could I be if I stopped being this, this frustrated, angry, hurt, scared person? Who could I become? Who could I become if I stopped dimming my light and only showing you half of my light so that I don't uh, impose on, on your effort to find your own light? Who can I become uh, if I gave myself a thousand second chances because I've I keep falling down, but if I stop counting the fall downs and I stop counting and I start counting the get ups, who could I be? So I just kept, I put on my door, the Explorer hat, Rashawn, and I turned the light on on the, on the front of it. And uh-huh. I just began to explore who Lisa can become mm-hmm. as a single mother, as someone born in, in, in South Central and lived between the Harlem Crip 30s and the Roland 60s, who had three fights a week to get home from school, who's funct- who is functionally dyslexic. Who could she become? So really, I started this journey just in discovery of who can I become. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't start saying, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to inspire the world. Right. I'm going to be a millionaire. No, I, I said, I'm going to get off government assistance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop needing WIC, women, infant, and children. I'm going to stop thinking I'm not beautiful in my mocha skin and my full lips with my round hips and my kinky hair. I'm going to stop. So my, the first part of my journey, I was running away from all my chaos. Mm-hmm. And then I bumped into possibility and I liked the way it felt. And then I start pursuing something new. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. That's how it started. Everybody in the booth got the hand up. They got the hand up, Lisa. <laughs> they got the hand up now. You know, everybody in the booth, white people, 
black people. Everybody got their hand Amen. up. Right, you, right. That's a relatable speech, Carol. That's a relatable man, speech. It, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a black thing. It's not a white there thing. You it's go. not a Christian thing. It's not a Buddha thing. It's not a woman thing. It's not. A, it's a human spirit. Right. My human spirit. When I discovered that my human spirit is unbreakable, it's unshakable, and it's unavailable to my bank account balance, right. to this broke down relationship that I may have been in, mm-hmm. to how much I was weighing at the time. My human spirit has always and will always simply ask for the command. What are we going to conquer next? Give me a command. When I figured that out, Rashawn, when I figured that out, man, I just, I was like, <laughs> it was like the new, it was the new drug for me. <laughs> it literally was a new drug for me. I was like, oh, I'm going to take this in every day. I'm going to inhale it. I'm going to drink it. I'm going I'm, I'm to wear it. I'm going to rub it on. I'm going to bathe in it. Possibility. And when I realized that if I can think about it, but not just think about it, if I could see it clearly, clear colors, if I could smell it, I didn't want to just see my dreams. I wanted to smell them. I wanted to taste them. So I would go to people's house that live like I wanted to live. I'd find a way to get in. I'd find a way to get in, Rashawn, and I'd rub on their furniture. I would <laughs> rub on their center island. There I would you go. rub on their cars. There and I'm not go. materialistic, right. but I believe that the God that I serve says if there is zero distance between you and it, then it is available to you. So I just put zero distance between me and all the things I dreamt about, the lifestyle, the people, the love. And then I, be, I felt it. I could taste it. I could see it. I could smell it. I took a picture next to it, and then I brought it back into my hemisphere in my mindset. And this then I adopted cognitive dissonance. Please look that up, y'all. I said, who do I have to become? What do I have to do to shorten the distance between me and it? I'm just telling y'all. Okay, I'm going to be quiet now that you talk. I got excited. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, you know, I'm going to tell you something. That's why I love you. I'm telling you, right? You know, I, I, got the ch- I got the chance to see you live several years ago at Essence, just sitting in the back of the room, just sitting there having this same motivational tone Having people stand up, point at you. Yeah, girl, do it, do it. Talk, talk. You know, you know when people get motivated, they don't say much word. They don't say many sentences. Yeah. They just go talk, point at you, and you just look around, get your little oh, strut yeah. on, shake your hair left and right. Come on now, come on now, because that's the blessing of being able to find your gift or find your passion or or build upon it because when I hear you talk, you know, like I tell people in high school, I used to drive around in different neighborhoods. I used to cut out cars or that I, I didn't, I just liked them. I just knew this type of car I wanted if I had money to be in it, uh, to, to experience it, to, to live it, to be it. And I always tell people when I walk around in people's houses where they have more money than me, you know, I, I just visualize how they would look. And so, so when I when I buy something that I want is at that level, then I'm already there mentally. And so I always tell people, don't deny what you can get just because you think you don't have it currently. And that's what that means you shutting down your future. You shutting down your options to be successful. And that's the wrong way to think. And so when I look at people talking about visionary board, vision boards and all that, you know, that's nothing new. We just we just you know, it's just that's just a fancy word they put on a dream. That's just a fancy word right. they put on the word a goal. You know, vision boards have been, the, the, you know, Ford, he had a vision. You know, Edison, he had a vision board. You know, and so now we put all these words and we give too much power to these little fancy words like brands and gifts and and uh, and, and vision boards and really just go back to who you are, what you want to be, what your dreams are capable of achieving and not what you're living at currently and get rid of those naysayers because you know when you were starting to turn that corner, Lisa, the naysayer was coming out. Girl, 
What you trying to do? You sure about that? You better stay where you at. How do you fight off those naysayers, Lisa? Well, first of all, you know, going back to your um, visualizing and, and, and understanding about having things, I realize that there's a complete distinction between wealth. Wealth is a unilateral conversation around money and possessions. That's wealth. And while that's an indicator of some level of success, wealth is not the ultimate indicator of success. Abundance is. Um, abundance is not just a unilateral uh, uh, category called wealth, money, uh, and possessions. Abundance is uh, abundance in your relationships, abundant in ha- having health wealth, abundant in having spiritual wealth, abundant in having financial wealth. It's one category of a very large picture. Right. So I want to just be very clear that, that what I pursue and what I have pursued for the last 25 years and what I teach my students who step onto my multiple, multiple forms in my campus is let's pursue abundance because abundance is going to feel a whole lot better than wealth. I coach a lot of very, very wealthy people right. how to have abundance. And so I just want to make that very clear that that's the thing that I value most in my life is that this past weekend, while I, I spoke for an event that had 46 different countries uh, present, the most exciting part about my weekend was on Friday night <clears throat> for the first time in 40-plus years, my father finally let me shave his beard. He finally trusted me enough <laughs> to shave his beard. Right. And, <clears throat> and that was the highlight of my weekend right. uh, while I was talking to thousands and thousands of people and generating thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. That was the highlight, so I'm very clear. Um, naysayers. So let me just first set a tone that... Um, you can never have someone who has a, um, you can never put your 64-ounce dream in someone who has a 24-ounce capacity. <laughs> so so, so let, let's, let's just start with the truth because the truth will set us all free. So I heard somewhere. So you will have, if you have a 64-ounce dream, mm-hmm. then only give 24 ounces of that dream to someone who is a 24-ounce thinker. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Go find, go find a 120-ounce thinker mm-hmm. and give them your 64-ounce dream right, and right, watch right. them expand it. Right. So first of all, don't, don't do a disservice to the 24-ounce thinker or to you by giving your dream that's out of their capacity to someone. And I'm not saying anything negative about the 24-ounce thinker. They're not thinking small. Their 24 ounces is 100%. <laughs> they're 24 ounces. And they're totally fine until you go and try to cram your 64 ounce thought into their 24 ounce capacity. Love them and be with them right where they are. So I'm going to say that and then say the people in your life did not sign up to be your business partner. They didn't sign up to be your fans. They didn't sign up to be the first readers of your book. They didn't sign up to make your book a bestseller. They decided to be your student. Allow them to be who they are. That's, That's number two. Number three is. Your job is to be born into a community, Mm -hmm. biological, geographical, spiritual, cultural. That's the community you were born into. Allow that community to coexist with you. Your second job is to go find your second community that's going to make you stand on your tippy toes. That's what I did. And when I found that second community, lo and behold, it was a conference. I was the only one of three women. I was the only person of any color. Right, right, so that's, right. that's across Latin, right. Asian, <laughs> Indian, no color but right. me. 
Uh-huh. And then I was the youngest person by 18 years. Mm-hmm. So I felt like an alien on an entirely different planet. Mm-hmm. And they were speaking an entirely different language. No hablo espanol. I didn't know what they were talking about. Right. They're talking about PPMs, term agreements, ROIs, revenue streams, um, re- revenue paths, and, and P&Ls. And I'm like, what are they talking about? Right. But I didn't run. I didn't run because I was different. I didn't run because I stood out. I didn't run because I was lonely. I would go to the conference. I would spend $3,782 that I didn't have. I would go there for eight days, and I would feel lonely and out of place. But I knew that group was causing me Mm -hmm. to stand, Roshan, on my tippy toes. They caused me to stay up at night and research, what does PPM mean, term agreement, ROI? What does it mean to have seven revenue streams? What does it mean to have a P&L? I had no idea what this stuff was. So this group, by being in their physical proximity, they kept me in cognitive dissonance. They Mm. kept me uncomfortable in Mm. who I could become Mm -hmm. if I stood around long enough. Mm. People often think when they become uncomfortable, they back away. And I say, don't back away. Don't Mm. back away from the discomfort. Mm -hmm. It simply, it simply means that your conviction and your convenience, as you heard me say, don't live on the same block. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be convenient on your way to the greatest version of Of you. you. I'll say Mm -hmm. that again. You're not going to be convenient (laughs) on on the journey to the greatest version of you. your great, your greatness lives on the outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. What you've already done, you already done. Absolutely. So if you comfortable, it's because you ain't growing. If you complacent, if you feel good, everything, Ooh, everything is good. Right. All things is good. Right. That means you're not at the edge of your box. I'm not saying feel bad, but I am saying feel stretched. My dear talking to the amazing put the word amazing in front of her amazing lisa nichols um book selling best-selling author coach founder motivational speaker founder and ceo of motivating the masses when we come back she got a lot of things that are coming up in the fall the extraordinary you elevate speakers mastermind powerhouse motivating the teen spirit we're going to talk about all that in our next break she's amazing we'll right back with more money making conversations with rashawn mcdonald Hi, this is Rushan McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. You say to yourself, who calls Rushan's show? Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, comedian Dion Cole. A lot of people fail to realize when you look in the mirror every morning, you pass the most unique thing in the world. And I talk about this in my stand-up. You are unique in every way. you got to look at what's unique in you and then capitalize on it. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. You're listening to Money Making Conversations, the show I created to provide information to individuals like you who are listening. There are people out there who are successful. There are people who have traveled some paths that you want to travel. They have dreams that you want to achieve. They have goals that you want to set. That's what Money Making Conversations is all about. More importantly, they motivate you not only with, with, with your spirit, but information. Information that is tied to work. you got to have work ethic. You have to have a, you can't limit yourself based on, I don't have enough time. I'm not an early morning person. You can't have excuses in your path to success. That's what that's what Money Making Conversations is all about. One of the leaders in that, one of the true uh, queens, captains, uh, admirals, uh, presidents, uh, Diamond Club member, uh, amazing, is the incredible Lisa Nichols. Lisa, welcome back to the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about this right quick. Let's talk about the impact you've had on the teens. Through your nonprofit foundation, Motivating the Teen Spirit, you have touched the lives of over 270,000 teens, prevented over 3,800 teen suicide, supported 2,500 dropouts and returning them to school, and has helped thousands to reunite with their families. Okay, that's a mouthful. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. That, you know, when you say it, I still, my, my heart expands. I, at 19, um, I had already been, you know, um, a, a super achiever in, in some areas in school right. uh, as, as a track, as an, as an athlete, right. um, uh, as, a, as a social leader in school, though I struggled academically in a lot of areas. I, I, I seemed to be very happy. And at 19, I found myself um, in a very dark place. And I even contemplated suicide. Right. And I remember standing in the bathroom with a handful of uh, Tylenol, and I wasn't sure if they would do the trick. I had eight Tylenol, to be exact, and extra strength Tylenol. I wasn't sure if this would be enough, but I realized I didn't really want to die. I just wanted the pain that I felt in my soul to stop. Mm. And I remember falling to my knees and crying out to God in my little one-bedroom house that my dad and I lived in, and I said, God, if you help to relieve me of this pain right now, I'll spend the rest of my life helping teens be emotionally healthy, to find joy, to be able to discover how to have um, healthy conversations. I'll, I'll, I'll be a part of the solution, God. I remember that day like it were yesterday, Rashawn. And um, I went on for, uh, I got up, got through that got through that dark moment. And 10 years later, I'm busy, you know, starting getting my life together. I'm a new mom. Jelani is just one years old and I feel this knot. And it was God saying, it's time for you to, to pay on that promise you made me. Right. <laughs> and, and he didn't I have to knock hard. He didn't, he didn't have to knock loud. He didn't have to knock loud. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, I shrugged it off the first uh, couple of times. God, wait, hold on. I'm just finding my rhythm. I right, got this right, job. Right. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm making six figures. I was mm -hmm. making $110,000 at the time. I was excited. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off, you know, government assistance. Finally, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I'll pay you back later. I promise you. I promise. And mm -hmm. I, <laughs> kept hearing that knock, <laughs> and uh, and I, and uh, so I I created motivating the teen spirit, um, and motivating the teen spirit is an emotional literacy program. It's I, I want to be very clear. It's not for it's not a youth intervention program. So it's not a place for teens who have behavioral challenges or for kids who've just been in trouble to come. While it is their haven, so that they can find their own emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. We for every teen we have that's in academic or social trouble, we sitting next to them is a, is a child who has a 4.4 GPA. Mm. And so motivating the teen spirit is designed to be the, the one of the few spaces where teens and young adults, because now we go up to age 25, they can discover how to distinguish between their negative self-talk and their powerful self-talk, um, how to access their self-esteem when it's been challenged by something that's occurred, how to get back in integrity when they've broken an integrity contract, something that's never spoken of and never mentioned, but when you break it, it risks a relationship. So teaching them the life skills around emotional intelligence 
Um, and um, I'm super excited. We, we do our events three times a year in San Diego, and we also travel and bring those same um, uh, trainings and workshops, emotional literacy workshops, right. to your community near you. Uh, what I'm excited about is that the lead trainer and the director of Motivating the Team Spirit now is my 25-year-old son. Congratulations. And Jelani. Mm-hmm. And so he now teaches the curriculum. I teach beside him sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but he grew up in it. You know, right. it was a thing that shaped his character. So he has it steeped in him more than it was even steeped in mm-hmm. me. Um, and so um, it's some of the work that I am the most, I'm the proudest of. Mm-hmm. So you've heard that statement, the preacher's kid. So he's a motivation kid. He's an MK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. He, well, 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 let me go a step further. He's uh, a CK. He's a transformational kid. So oh, there you he, go. Like, he, I, mama wasn't. Mama just wasn't into the rah rah. Mama right, was right, into right. the substance. I said, right. son. Who, mm-hmm. Your character is defined by what you do in the dark of the night when no one's looking. I don't care what you do when the lights are on mm-hmm. you. I want to know mm-hmm. the decisions you make when mm-hmm. no one's looking. Mm-hmm. So he's a TK. He's a transformational. There teacher. you go. There you go. And, uh, you know, you know, just reading some of the questions that they sent over and they were talking about retreats that you do. And, uh, and I wanted to talk about you have a, it was kind of broken down in a way. So you have black women only and then you have a different one for men and women. Explain that rationale on, and also tell us what exactly Absolutely. is your or your retreats. So the so the second retreat that, that you mentioned is really my first retreat, and that's what we call our breakthrough retreat. And uh-huh. we're on our way uh, to our breakthrough retreat in a couple of weeks here, and then we have another one coming up. But our breakthrough <laughs> retreat is designed for everyone: men, women, black, white, Asian, Latino, everyone. And it's a place where superheroes and super sheroes come to take your cake off. Mm. So I, the the exclusivity I have with all my retreats is that I want game changers to come only. I want movers and shakers. I want people who are the answer to other people's challenges. Meaning if you're the one who gets the calls to get things done, if you're the one who's everyone else's answer, if you're the one that in the middle of your crisis, you're still trying to help other people, this retreat is for you. And so this retreat is a retreat where you come right. and at the door, at the door, you metaphorically take your cape off and sit it down, and we put it away for a week. And then what I do is I help to heal the healers. I help to restore those who restore others. So um, you come, and I, we, we create a safe space for you to um, reignite, rejuvenate, recharge, recommit, redesign your life as is or what's next. And so, really, um, my last retreat had seven doctors there. Right. Um, our t- retreat before that had a gentleman who had been the, the counsel to eight presidents. Um, uh, I, have, I have people who work at NASA, people who, people who are entrepreneurs who are serving thousands and thousands of people like yourself. Right. So, it's a place where, where leaders, movers and shakers, game changers, gladiators, and unicorns come to take our cape off. Right. So, that's the breakthrough retreat. That's for everyone. And then... I have the exact same experience, but I have it exclusive for mover and shaker black women. Right. And that was the thing that I created just because I know her, I am her, mm-hmm. um, and it's no discount to any other gender, any other nationality. Right. I just knew that I needed a place where I can restore my faith and sisterhood. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And, I can, and, 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 and not everyone, not many people, matter of fact, only one kind of person t- can get in a, a black woman's 
who's into leadership space. And that's another black woman that's right. in leadership that she trusts. Her, like, man, can't, uh-huh. her man can't get in her right. face. I got six her sisters, friend, I know. Like, <laughs> you know, you know. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. I really, I, I didn't create that that retreat. That retreat came after me and got me because I spoke at all these conferences right. with, with, with black women leadership from, for, at Black Enterprise, at BET, mm-hmm. at all of these conferences where that mover and shaker black woman go and they kept following me saying you need a place create a place where you can deep dive with us because we trust you lisa and so i didn't design that as a new program these sisters came and got me and said we choose you as the person who can check us love us require us to heal help us heal and then allow us to hold each other's hands while we heal and i just answered okay wow that's powerful. There's a couple of things that you're doing that I really want to get the message, the, the information out about. It's called the Speakers Mastermind Program, which is an exclusive live training workshop to help speakers take themselves to a new level. And you are launching the Elevate, an online personal development program in this year, June of this year. So let's start with the Pe- Speakers Mastermind Program, and then let's slide over to the Elevate. So, so many people are aspiring to be speakers. As now, there's two types of speakers. There's the non-platform speaker, and that's everybody. That's anyone who opens their mouth, and they want to convince, inspire, motivate, or educate someone. So that's the school teacher. That's the judge. That's the the person who works in automotive. That's the salesman. That's the saleswoman. That's that's multi-level marketing on any level. Anyone who ever gets in network marketing, direct sales, you are a speaker because you want to convince, inspire, motivate someone to take action. That's the school teacher. And so there's the non-platform speaker. They need to master their speaking. You want to be a masterful speaker when you open your mouth, even though you're not on stage. And then there's the platform speaker. And that would be you and me and those who want to create a platform from their speaking. So there's non-platform speakers and platform speakers. Either way, I want to train you to master your voice and master your message. And what I broke down were the 14 points that turned the body of speaking into the art and science of speaking. I looked at everything, Rashawn, that I'd done over the last 25 years that kept making everything I touched turn to gold. How did I go? How did I get the chicken soup for the soul offer? How mm-hmm. did I get the secret offer? Right. How did I be a standout on Oprah? How did I then get to Larry King? I, I took Steve all Harvey, the years all that stuff. and I mm-hmm. looked back and I said, let me bottle up if I could bottle up what I was doing unconsciously, mm-hmm. it was my unconscious competence. If I can make my unconscious competence a conscious competence and then share that with someone, what would it look like? And that's Speaker's Mastermind. Well, you know, the beauty of this conversation I'm having with you is that, you know, they have a singing coaches and classes. And I know when I was in L.A., I went to acting, acting, acting classes. You know, you want to train as a, a, to stay in shape. And you want to, that's all, that's all you're saying. This is a, yep. this is a speaker, speaker. Do you want to be the best at it? You know, a platform, a non-platform person that come, come, we finally have that resource. You finally yep. have, you know, the exactly. Vince Lombardi of speakers, you know, the, out there telling you come in here because I always tell people, you know, it's really interesting. Once as, I, as being a former stand-up comic, once you know how to tell a joke, you can actually tell somebody how to tell a joke. And because right. there are right ways and wrong ways and you can be funny or you're going to be, funny for a short amount of time on stage or you're going to be funny for a long period of time on stage. And when you're doing yeah. these mastermind, the speaker's mastermind, the correct title program, elevating and 
in an exclusive training workshop to help speakers take themselves to a new level, it's important to understand that, that you know, you can top off or you can level off or you can, like, stop growing. And it takes an expert. It takes a person being able to see themselves or see you at the next level. I was watching this uh, Bradley Cooper when he was talking about his acting coach. Uh, she's a female. And uh, how she was able to get him to turn the corner because he was all he never had faith in himself. He was always break down. But somehow she was able to let him see the light, let him see his ability, let him walk through his fears. And he's an Oscar winner. You know, a director, you know, one of the major players. And that's all you're saying at the Speakers Mastermind program, correct? Yep, absolutely. And we have Speakers Mastermind uh, is is four concentrated days together with me where I lead you through all the techniques on that I've broken down to the science of speaking. But what I love about the training, uh, and we do have an online live version of that where I teach you online live if you're out of the country or if you, mm-hmm. or if you want to do a different version of it. Um, I teach you and then you apply it. I teach you and you apply it. I'm a coach. Right. So I like you to dis- I want you to discover your own muscles. I want right. you to build your own abs. I want you to do your own curls. So at the end of the program, you're lifting more than you've ever lifted before. You've you've surpassed where you were when we started together. And so what I love about the the training is that it's interactive experiential. It's not just theory. It's not just concept. It's not just you know, academia, it's no applied learning. Show me your video. Let me give you feedback on your video. Right. Show me your live stand-up. Let me give you feedback on it. So it's one of the most engaging platforms that I have watching your technique grow. And so I'm super excited that I finally was able. This mm-hmm. is after 16 years right. of people asking me to show them how to do what I do. How do your videos go viral with 47 million views in seven days? Mm-hmm. And I, for a long time, I was like, I'm not sure. Then I thought, you know what? <laughs> let, let me go back and let me do my, let me do the work. Right. Do the due diligence. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it took me five years to mm-hmm. come up with this process that I can walk people through that says you will not, cannot, fully participate in this program and be the same level speaker, whether it's non-platform or platform speaker, as you were before you came in. You, there's no way wow. possible. Um, and so I'm super excited about it. Uh, it's going to be my legacy. It's going to be the thing I leave to the industry. I leave through, you know, speaking is the wild, wild west. There's right. no structure in it. It's, it's too new. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I want to give the industry, give the for all the people who feel like they're terrified of speaking, I want to give them some formulas that will reduce their fears because they'll replace their fears with skill sets. And then I want to give the people who love to speak, I want to give them some formulas and tools so they can take it to the next level, not so that they can shine brighter, but so that everyone can serve higher. Yeah, I want to close out talking about this one event that's coming up in May, May 1st through the 3rd. It's in Los Angeles. Oh, right? I'm so excited. Come on now. i got to help you promote this, girl. Okay, so make sure you send me the... We, we could also, you can come back on the show as well, but I'm sure it's going to be sold out by the end. It's called Extraordinary You, Personal Development Live Event, May 1st through the 3rd in Los Angeles. It's your show. Tell us about it, Lisa. Wow. So it is the first ever personal mastery, life game-changing, three-day um, conference that I've ever done like this. So this is the culmination of all the YouTube videos that I put out there that people love. Right. All of the things that they've seen on stage when people say, oh my God, you had me get up again. Oh my God, you had me wave my hand. Oh my God, you had me get out of this. <laughs> like, oh my God, you had me stand in my greatness. Right. So for the first time ever, I'm going to say, if I've done anything like that for you or you want that in your life, come and we're going to spend three days 
simply elevating and igniting and put setting your life on fire. We're going to do some interactive things that are going to literally have you break through old belief systems, have you continue going where you normally would stop, have you adopt a new way of thinking. We're going to confront and push past cognitive dissonance in the room. But the most important thing I think happens there is that I have the ability to gather some of the best game changers and movers and shakers, gladiators and unicorns on the planet, we'll have at least 14 different countries in the room to now be available to be added to your Rolodex. (laughs) I encourage and design a time for you to commune with people, exchange information, find out what you're doing, become Mm -hmm. international, expand your own platform. So it's um, when I tell you it's going to be three days of sheer fire. This morning I just secured one of the baddest brothers I've ever met inside transformation for men to men. And he just said, yes, I'm there. So I'm super excited, super excited. If you want to know about it, it's not even publicized yet. Mm -hmm. It will sell out. We are always a fire hazard. We always get shut down (laughs) by the fire department. I love it. They don't shut the event down. They just tell us no more people can come in the room. No more people standing in front of the door. Stop. Right. They stand in front of the door. They're like, no (laughs) more people because I will pack it out. And so right now, um, going to my site, MotivatingTheMasses.com, MotivatingTheMasses.com, you'll see the advertisement there. Um, We are limiting it. I'm not trying to have thousands and thousands of people there initially. I want my first one to be super, super um, intimate uh, with uh, just a few hundred people there. So Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be super exciting in Los Angeles. So plan to be with me. When I tell you you want to set the second half of your year on fire, come to the Extraordinary You Conference and we'll do it together. Lisa Nichols, she is one of the world's most requested motivational speakers, the CEO and founder of Motivating Motivating the Masses Incorporated. Lisa, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, brother. My next guest entertainment career has encompassed singing, stage, television, film, You've seen her acting, acting work on uh, Bounce TV's Saints and Sinners, UMC's A House Divided, Tyler Perry's House of Pain. Now she's also starring in an exciting new freeform TV series called Motherland, Fort Salem, which premieres March 18th. Please welcome to Money Conversations, Demetria McKinney. Hello, hello. Cool. First time on my show. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so where are you based at? I'm here in Atlanta. I'm from the A. Okay. You're from the A. Not from the A, but I consider myself a Georgia peach. I've been here for about 16, 17 years. So really, you know, we always hear about the uh, move to Atlanta. The opportunities are here. You know, L.A., you know, I I moved, I lived in L.A. 15 years. I lived in New York. My past history, I was a stand-up comic, did some acting. But basically, my career has been tied to management and production and mm-hmm. producing shows and films, right. which is what you know, and I've done it all over the country. I lived in Chicago, lived in, of course, Los Angeles, New York. I'm originally from Houston. So when I hear you talk about Atlanta's home, you're actually living what people want to get out of Atlanta from a, from an entertainment standpoint. You're, yeah. act, you're an acting, uh, a working actress mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Right. How did you pull that off? You know, I think sometimes, <laughs> you know, they say ignorance is bliss. I don't think I knew better. Um, I was I got my start with acting with Mr. Tyler Perry, but of course, with the stage plays, my very first thing, my semi big thing 
would have been uh, Meet the Browns. And we toured that for a year. And after that, I was like, okay, I'm in Fort Walton Beach. There's definitely not the kind of opportunities that I want here in Fort <laughs> Walton Beach, I, Florida. I've done comedy in Fort Walton yeah, Beach. Yeah, so you, you know, call, military life, and that's yes, about it. Yes, uh-huh. um, so I made the move here without the real knowledge of what it could be with the television industry. I knew about the music part of it, which was definitely a big draw for me as well as right, a singer. Absolutely. But when I got here, it was just really, really cool to see the way that I was here at the beginning of the architecture that was coming of the industry here in Atlanta. And it feels that way, too. It feels when very I, when much it, when that way. When you talk about that legacy of time frame that you were coming. Now, you mentioned we mentioned singing. Yeah. So what does that play? Because I, I looked at your resume. It was talking about you did tours, like mm-hmm. with my boy Tyrese, Tank. Yeah. Talk about that journey, because now we're just focusing on acting right now, right? Yeah, well, no, not necessarily. Um, that that part of the journey was really, really cool because that was the original dream. Right, right. The mm-hmm. beautiful thing about a dream is that it grows and right. it expands. And sometimes right. it's up, sometimes it's down, but it can also be very parallel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so music has always been, always, 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 from the very first time I heard Miss Whitney Houston, always been my dream. Um, and getting to perform with people like Tyrese, Tank, Fantasia. <laughs> hey, girl, Fantasia, I love you. You know, getting to do all of that type of stuff from and Charlie Wilson. I see too. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love her. You know, getting to to tour with those type of people, I got an opportunity to learn a lot. Not just about the music, but Mm -hmm. also the entertainment of it and the give and take between the the audience and the art. And most definitely, the The business. business. You have to remember that even if this is your dream, there is a business very much attached to it. And I think that's what people forget. Okay, cool. So Fort Walton Beach. Yep. Okay. Did singing pull you out of there or acting pulled you out of Fort Walton Beach? (laughs) The desire to sing but starting to act pulled me, pulled me out of Fort Walton Beach. What is this, this, was this just a natural skill or you went to train, you had training to see that you could be an excellent actress? Because your resume tells me that you're in demand. I've never gone to a class for acting. Stop. I've always wanted to. I've you always wanted to. Uh, stop. No, I, I. You know, and like you said, everybody's <laughs> path is a little bit different. Yes, Would uh, I recommend it for people? Uh-huh. Absolutely not. I definitely want to train. I definitely want to get into some classes. But what I've taken the opportunity to do since I've been a working actress for so long, <laughs> yes, ma'am. is make sure that I learn something with each and every character, each and every director from my co-stars. I ask the questions. It may seem trivial. I'm like, so why, why, why blue? <laughs> y- you know, right, right. I'm right, trying right. to learn what's happening right. behind the camera i'm trying to learn the financial part of it i uh-huh. really want to make sure that i'm learning each step of the way because i wasn't necessarily brought up in in the technical training of it i'm still just staring at you said look Rashawn. i'm i'm looking at your resume i just rattled <laughs> off like a uh, bounce saints bounce tv saints and centers yeah. umc's a house divided these that's the house divided is in vancouver it's taped that one's in la la that's mm-hmm. that's shot in la and then you have uh, Motherland is shot where? Vancouver. Vancouver. And House of Pain is shot here. Right here. And Saints and Sinners is shot here. Yes, sir. And you're telling me, Rashawn, um, acting classes. Uh, <laughs> Not yet. Uh, That's the answer. No, Not no, yet. no, no. You're acting. You're, you're acting right you know, here. <laughs> you know, you can, you can be doing something. And I think sometimes you come up with a gift. Like you seem to have a gift that you just knew you could motivate people. Yes, you understood ma'am. the financial yes, part ma'am. of it. You mm-hmm. also had this funny bone. Like uh-huh. you're well-rounded in all of your gifts. Thank you. But understanding how to utilize them to the best of their ability is where the training comes in. And that's okay. what I want to learn okay, how to cool. do. Because uh, we got a lot to talk about. All I right. Wanna, I want to get to Motherland. Because yes. I saw this in the trailer. And um, 
um, you know, I'm a I'm gonna tell you something. I'm a I'm a superhero. I'm a Marvel fan. Oh, you're all into fantasy. You know, girl, come on now. I, I Captain Marvel. That's my girl. <laughs> you know, uh, you know. I just love the. You know, Aquaman was amazing. Yeah. You know, and I love female leads. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Wonder Woman. I thought was amazing. Yes. I, it's one of those movies where you know I'm a I'm a I'm a TV. I'm a guy who surfers. Surf, surfs a TV, yeah. and if I want a woman, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna, I've seen this. How many times I've seen this scene? By ten still times, good. I'm still gonna see it. Absolutely. And same thing with Aquaman. Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so I'm excited when I saw the trailer because it plays into my fantasy of you know strong women, uh, women who are empowered, yeah, but also who are vulnerable. Absolutely. And that's tied to the mysteries of their power and the journey of becoming responsible a responsible individual with those powers. So tell us first how you got involved with this opportunity. When the script came across my desk for me to audition, I still audition. I've been working for a really long time, but I am not above that. That's part of this business. So anybody who says, you know, "Ah," you know, I don't get it. Okay. But it came across and I was like, you know, this is necessary. This is now I had never seen anything involving witchcraft or, or, the army or women right. this way right. mm-hmm. set in an alternate uh, universe an yeah. alternate dimension, maybe where women are literally the world's army. We are the driving force behind peace. We are okay. the driving force behind safety. Men play a much larger role in the parenting of the children. And um, we have, it's, it's, it's literally all the, the quote unquote jobs are flipped. Right. But I love that you mentioned the vulnerability because the power that is in these witches, these women, these armies is the fact that they are vulnerable. They Uh are sensual. They Uh are um, scared. Right. You know, all of those things that are taken to be weaknesses for women are toned into a strength. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Now, this show, we're talking about Motherland. That's uh, Motherland, Fort Salem. Mm -hmm. That's going to be premiering uh, Wednesday, March 18th on Freeform. Yes. uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Now, when I was watching the trailer, I got the feeling that you had it was it was a lot of physical. Oh God, yes. Okay, so so you're, you're tall. Okay, <laughs> and I saw some running under the wires and a lot yeah. of ground and crawling and things like that. Talk about that aspect. You know, have you done anything that physical in your acting career? I have never been blessed with the opportunity to be so scraped up. <laughs> And battered for right. money. Um, <laughs> it was it was a really cool thing. That's the other thing that drew me to it. You know, I 2019 was about trying different roles, things right. that people hadn't seen me in. Um, in a house divided, I play a villain. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm always the good girl. I'm always cheated on. You know, mm-hmm. I always have a redemptive quality, and right. this is just such a total departure I, from that. I love that you know those 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 qualities of the character. Oh <laughs> yes. Cheated on the villain. <laughs> oh, Carissa's a fool. Uh-huh. But with with Anacostia in Motherland Fort Salem, getting in there and having to really dig deep and find those places when I didn't think I had the strength, when I didn't think I had the power, right. um, and still figuring out how to be compassionate mm-hmm. while being a, a drill sergeant of right. sorts. You know, right. I'm like a female Wesley Snipes in that thing. Absolutely. It's really, really dope. Right. Like, it's that, really cool. Because I, I, you know, I saw like three, I saw, they sent me the official trailer, yeah. and I sound like found like two or three more trailers, because I got excited when I saw that trailer, and I was like, because <laughs> the other trailers go back and saw... Talk about the history a little bit yeah. more. The one that they put out officially just talks about the immediate, you know, the immediate you guys being trained, you guys have these powers failing, and that's why I saw the vulnerability. But there's also some good trailers out there that show where you, how you guys were creative or your your your, your, your past. Yes, this, uh, that made this uh, opportunity in the future. Absolutely. And so, so 
what is exactly is your care? Are you a lead? Or are you are from a standpoint of a, one of the people, one of the drill sergeants in there? Because it's a military format. Mm-hmm. You're training as soldiers mm-hmm. to protect the world. But you have these special powers. What is your power? I am Drill Sergeant Anacostia Quartermain. And I am the main person that teaches all of the new recruits. All of the young ladies who are involved in the draft have to come through me at some point to make sure that they are ready for life, death, and war. Period, point blank. And in the midst of that, they're learning how to harness if they even know what their powers are. Okay. Their specific power while understanding how to do all of these other things that will help them in the warcraft. So... I do everything. <laughs> <laughs> but you still haven't told me your power. What is your power? I, uh, there are seers. There are knowers. Right. There are healers. Right. Anacostia does everything. That's oh. why I have to be a drill sergeant. Oh, I have to be okay. able to help them so you, learn you, how to tap into that and utilize it. Then, oh, absolutely. Huh? I'm every woman. <laughs> so, yes, Anacostia is not playing with them. She's going to break out yes. singing on me. No good and well, I can't compete. <laughs> I'm barely hanging with you talking. Now, I'm tired of these talented people coming on my show. She's going to bust out on a note. You know, I'm going like, I, I pulled the headphone, but she actually singing. That's I can't believe so it. That's so funny. Oh, man. Was that, 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 that wasn't bad. No, that was bad. That was bad. Don't you do me like that. It's pretty good. Now, now this, this, when you when you see a show like this, yeah. and you see how Marvel and DC, mm-hmm. I say DC as well, yeah. has flipped the script on women, empowering yeah. women. Do you feel good about is it the, is it the right time to present a, sh- a series like that to America? Without so, question, mm-hmm. without question. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned Marvel and you and you mentioned um, DC, but you know, it, it, Freeform is part of the umbrella that is Disney. Yes, absolutely. But Disney has also brought us Mulan. Like there, there's been a lot of this that's kind of been mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But I think that the timing is so necessary because of the temperature that's going on in our in our culture in our in our uh, country right mm-hmm. you know where we have to band together and we have to show the strength everybody's been talking about you know equality and yes women's rights and women's da, da, rights. Da, 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 but this is really really harnessing it and our right is to be vulnerable while we're strong right our right is to be pure while we're sensual our right we have so many different rights and the thing is while we're showing all of these strengths of womanhood and hear me roar and all of that other stuff we're also <laughs> bringing the men in and we're showing their strength in a different way it's really really quite beautiful the way that Elliot Lawrence the creator of this show what's up man um has has kind of Drops orchestrated this up. thing like he's you're just funny. dope oh you're funny oh you're, sorry you're, 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 well of course you did you did House of Pain so naturally you are you do have comic comedy oh, chops okay thank we're gonna you. go on our next break I want to bring up the, the the return of the House of Pain and want to talk about more about uh Saints and Sinners and uh House Divided because uh and also we're gonna recap more about the Motherland which is a show that's premiering Wednesday March 18th but the thing I just want to commend you on you you are articulate from 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 a standpoint of a, from a from a motivational speaker standpoint, do you do many speaking speaking engagements? I love to talk to young ladies, mm-hmm. especially young African American ladies, to let them know the power they possess. Like I absolutely love. And that. you 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 can do it. You you Thank got you. it. You got you got you got a natural skill. And uh, I had uh, Roxanne Shante on the show, yeah. and uh, it's just amazing. You know how you. I always, I'm always I always admire individuals who you know just connect connect the sentence after a sentence after a sentence, mm-hmm. and it's just a thought of being able to. It's so natural, and you have that. Thank okay. you. Good. We're here with uh, Demetria McKinney. She is a. What was? Can you hit that note again for me? I'm every woman. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we'll be right back with more money making conversation. This is Rashawn McDonald. I, I, I would rap, but I messed that up. <laughs> we'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and money making conversations. Don't touch that dial.
Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. You say to yourself, who calls Rashawn's show? Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Lala Anthony. We met, you know, you always say, Rashawn, yes. uh, can you give me, can we talk, can we talk? I, I mean, always talk to you about everything, <laughs> everything. And looking at you and Steve Harvey, you know, that motivated me too, because I would see all the amazing things you guys were doing and not just being on the radio. I mm -hmm. felt like at that time and even now, you mm -hmm. know, people want to put people in boxes. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, the incredible Nick Cannon. You're truly one of my mentors and one of the people that showed me that you can be more you know for a fact now that you're about to capture an audience that's going to have a spending power for at least another 20 years. To me, it's like my happiness has been valuable. Money doesn't make you happy, but happy makes you money. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald. I'm with the talented Demetria McKinney. Um, she's a singer, stage, television. And I love when we started talking about... Um, House of Pain, you said Mr. Perry. Mm -hmm. Why? Why did you not say just Tyler Perry? Why did you say Mr. Perry? Is it just a, or just a, the relationship, the reverence, uh, the uh, the mentoring? It's a combination of things: the mentoring, the respect, um, the realization that he has earned a mm -hmm. lot of respect, and sometimes he doesn't always get it. Right. So every chance I get to say thank you, even if it is with just a Mr. Perry, or if it is, you know, people asking my story and saying, hey, it started with Mr. Perry. It continues. You know, I've had these other avenues and these other things, mm -hmm. but I'll always be back home. Mm -hmm. So I'm just really thankful for him. So you're back home. Yeah, and, man. And uh, I noticed the cast is pretty much back to Lance Gross, my girl. So I know Cassie Davis way back in the day. She's crazy in the crazy. best kind of way yes you absolutely it can sing too can she, yes she can she can sing too uh levan davis mm -hmm. uh alan payne's back yep uh who am i missing china mclean dr okay. shaw mm -hmm. everybody's back the twins hayden and Jaden are back <laughs> like he brought in a puppy it's, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, everybody is back and it's shot in his new studios right yes okay, cool so when you got the call you already got you got three shows happening out there number four <laughs> i'm gonna tell you that's a blessing i'm, I'm not teasing it's you definitely. in a bad way because of the fact that i was talking about multiple streams of income on this show and it means being able to to me you've been able to you're doing it right in front of us in front of, as far as an acting capacity but on a television format which is even more difficult you can get away with it in the film yeah but to do what you're doing in a television format is really slick it's been it's been different it's been you know when you say be careful what you ask for you might get it right i'm so grateful i asked so with that being said you know because i've had talented actresses and actors on the show like this how do you how do you go through the process of prepping for these scripts because they all each one of those shows are different very different you, know, you have a sitcom you have an action adventure in motherland yep. sitcom is tyler perry show yep and then saints and sinners that's like an over-the-top drama yes you know and then uh house divided you play a villain a conniving yeah. character you know <laughs> so those are four different okay who am I talking to now? <laughs> you know, like I said, I'm every woman. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that because I've always grown up kind of watching people, yes, I've been a people yes, watcher observer yes. forever. And I take notes. Parents knock on your door. Like, <laughs> Who's in there? Who's going to answer? I got like nine people rushing to the front. Um, but I, I've always kind of kept these stories in the back of my head because I'm like, I might be able to play that person later. Right, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sitting at the restaurant and people thinking, oh, she's looking at my food. No. Why are you eating it? 
Right. You just broke up. He's with his person. Oh, my gosh. It's a scandal at work. You know, like I'm thinking of those things. Right. So when I get an opportunity to play each of these different people, I kind of already know them. Wow. And then I'm building off of the foundation of what I think they might represent in somebody else that I've met. Okay. So these are all television opportunities I'm talking about. Yeah. Talk about film. Where are we at with that? I want to do that Uh um, a lot more. I've done a little bit of the big screen, but... I'm having so much fun with the longevity that comes with television series like, you know, money management and a lot of, and a lot of people don't know that wealth no. building and all of that stuff. People don't understand when you're an actor and you're not working. <laughs> yes, you get residuals, but they start to dwindle after a while. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're out of a job, you're out of a job. You ain't making no money. <laughs> right, so, right, you know, I like the longevity that right. comes with television shows, especially with the blessings that I've had, you know, Saints and Sinners. If we come back at season five, right. the House Divided, we knocked out two seasons in one year. Motherland, we were filming for six months in Vancouver. Um, and then House uh, House of Pain, like that, just, I don't even need to say nothing about that one. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so being able to really have that longevity, I am a single mother, uh-huh. and knowing where my next dime is coming from has been very, very important. But hallelujah, he's grown now, <laughs> so I'm ready to spread my wings. <laughs> Jesus. She's a fool. <laughs> In a good way. You know, can you cook, or what, what are your balance? Oh, life see, now activities? why you got to cuss at me on this? I, I, I got to, because, see, I got to find a flaw. Okay, you, you found you, you, it. You've nine different characters in there. You can sing and you're tall. I so ain't cooking. You can't cook. Nope, I can make a mean reservation. <laughs> Whatever you want to go. And you, I'll pay. Come on, come on, you ain't got, got no problem. Come on, you got it. No, my son cook. Okay, you, you're not acting on this one. You, no skill. No. Okay, all right. It this, ain't what you want. This all this wild. You can burn stuff yourself. <laughs> you don't want that. So that's not part of the balance life. No. I mean, I can. I just don't like to. You don't? Uh-uh. Okay, so make a mean reservation. Mean reservation. I'll clean up. Okay, so just we're just we're just arcing out the balanced life portion. Okay. How about working out? Do you work out? Love to work out. Okay, are you a stretcher? Is hot yoga or Pilates? Love hot yoga, Pilates, Zumba. I'll do weights. Like I like variety. Okay, cool. So that keeps you that that kind of prepped you for motherland. Oh yeah. Fort Salem. Oh yeah. Okay. Was there a training period for you in that series? We were there a month early in training and we're using different kinds of weapons, you know, and, and a lot of the witch things of old, you know, you saw bippity boppity boop. They got a stick. They got a book. They got it. You know, we're doing different things. The weapons are different. The see the, the bippity boppity bippity boppity boop. You know, like Cinderella and all that. Mary Poppins and stuff, you know. Yeah. You're a character. Yeah. You know. So we're we're doing a lot of different stuff, but even with that came a whole lot of physical training for about a month before we even got started filming. Oh, in that process, you know, did it anything, did it, did it, you know, like, did you ever hit a wall like, wow, I didn't expect it to be this much physical training? I don't think I hit a wall. I think I woke up a couple of times with my left eye very like shifted over there. Right. Um, And there were parts of me that hurt that, I mean, I've been an, I was a basketball player. I ran track. I, you know, I was, I've always been very physical. Right. But the physicality that came with this and not only that, the mental stretch that I had to do because I'm completely outside of my, my comfort zone and I'm doing this with five other ladies. Right. Right. So we all had to be on one accord. And that's right. Your team. Oh yeah, yeah, we're in the. It's still a military thing, so right. there's still drills and there's still order to this. Okay, cool. So let's we we we, we know that's coming out March 18th. Yes. Has, has a uh, release date been set for Tyler Perry's? Uh, Not House yet. Okay, Not cool. yet. There's still in a summer series. I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. They're okay, still great. in production. Okay, I've already. So that wrapped means up I can get stuff. you back for that. 
Right. Oh yeah, let's oh, go. Okay, cool. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Now let's talk about the. the uh, we we we've mentioned the name of these other two other series. Just give us more detail about your character on uh, Saints and Sinners, which is on Bounce TV. Saints and Sinners. I play Miss Tamara Austin. She is no longer Callaway because she done divorced Miles. Y'all better keep up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it comes on Sundays, right? It comes on, uh, I believe, Sundays. Yes, because yes, it's really it's on highly TV. rated on it's, Sundays. It's, it's one of the, pat on the back, it's one of the highest rated shows they've got. <laughs> but it's uh, it's really cool because she, in the world of sinners, she is kind of the lamb. But she's starting to come out of that okay. uh, a little bit. You okay. know, if you get bit enough, you start to bite back. Right. You know, because, um, you know, you're at the mercy of writers. Oh, absolutely. But so. they're very smart. Okay, I, cool. I've been blessed to work with some really, really smart writers. They they don't allow us to be one dimensional in any stretch of the imagination. Well, I, because, you know, the series is very popular yeah. you know it's, and it's from our it's kind of like a, you know we always ask for you know because I'm talking about, I'm going to daytime soap operas uh-huh. you know and it has that feel of a, of a that. strong nighttime soap opera yeah. with everybody connecting the dots really cool yeah. and you being a part of that now what, what, what comes with that is social media with recognition how, how do you how do you deal with that when people are recognizing you in public how do you post are you are you very savvy as to what you post on your social media talk about that I a recognize that social media is a window, right? And I can make that window dirty, or I can make it clean, right? Mm-hmm. So I want them to get the best impression of who I am. I try to make sure that I talk about my natural hair. I'm trying to include things about my son. I love you, boy. Um, you know, and then I try to make sure that people understand the different work that I have going on. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to give away any teasers. Right. And I also understand the responsibility that comes with the kind of platform that I have. Right. So when it comes to posting, I'm very, very. Particular, right. but fun with okay, it. Okay, cool. And let's talk about something that you popped up because it's real big, natural hair. Yeah, man. Okay. What, is, what are the... Is that, I'm assuming naturally curly? Yes. Okay. And so, are you tied to any brands? Are you looking for any brands to tie your your look to? Or you just say, this is my style. I'm going to promote it. I feel I'm, I'm blessed to have this skill set. Like my executive producer, she's big into her natural hey. look. You know, and I always... Touching it and everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm touching my bald head. You know, this is what I got to work got with. Got it easy, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. I had it back in the day. <laughs> I had the fro too, girl. Oh. Fro too. Did you wouldn't know me back then. You wouldn't know me back then. I was too much trouble. <laughs> and so, uh, hey, 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 keep focusing. Sorry. Keep, thank you. Yeah, ooh, see, don't be acting on me. I, I wandered. Be, thank you very much. So the whole natural look that you, why is it so big nowadays? I think it's just for me, and I can only speak on my behalf, it was about really embracing everything of me. You uh-huh. know, um, I, I didn't know what my natural hair texture was. I didn't understand it. And once I got it, I ain't know what to do with it. Right. We was going to fight forever. Right. Um, and I've just gotten to a point where now I recognize that just like any other relationship, it's strengthened the relationship and the time that I take for myself. Right. You know, a lot of naturals, I know you don't want to get up that wash day is a fool. Moisturizing and sealing can be a funky mess. You don't know which products to use, but use that time to just spend with yourself. Like, let that be your you time, especially the single moms, the working moms, the work, just women in general. A lot of times we don't take time for ourselves. Absolutely. And with this, this was my time to get to know me. Okay, cool. Let's let's deal with stereotypes. Uh Oh, okay, cool. Like complexion. Yes. Generally, your hair is straight. Yeah. Okay, cool. Did you have to deal with that? Oh, yeah. I was very afraid, especially with my industry. Uh-huh. I didn't know how the jobs were going to come once I started to rock my fro. Uh-huh. But now everybody wants me to keep it. Like, Freeform, I love them. I love them. They are so, 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 con- they are adamant about making sure that they include diversity and just inclusion general. Right. And when I walked in with my fro for my audition, right. they were like, Anacostia has a fro. Right. We would love for you to keep your fro. Right. 
And I absolutely adored that. So, yeah, I didn't well, know Well, I'm that sure it was exciting to hear based on the type of um, acting you had to do in that military format. And if you would have had to straighten your hair, it would have probably been a, a big problem. Man, I always wondered what I'd do if I had a G.I. Jane moment where they were like, you know, can you shave your head? Uh, Let's go pray. <laughs> you wouldn't do it? I don't know. There's checks out there. It, dep- it depends on the checks. There's checks and, you know, I'm sure, you know. Zeros equal bald heads. That's right. I'm glad you understand that. I do. You see my head ball? It's no. a lot of zeros <laughs> tied to this baldness, okay? I'm just let you know that your ball got bald for a reason, okay? Used to have a barber come by my house. Yeah. And one day I said, you know something? I'm tired of you. <laughs> I'm going to go zero you out. <laughs> now, one, one series we have not talked about is the uh, UMC's a House, house divided. divided. Talk about that. How did it get started? And what what season is it? Uh, we've done two seasons already. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I play Carissa. Carissa, mm-hmm. Carissa. Oh, my gosh. She comes from the wrong side of the tracks, but she's always when been on the When you say wrong mission. side of the tracks, what do you mean when you say that? She is, was raised, her her parent, her dad was, had a habit. Okay. Um, she's been with the, the Steelers. She's been with the robbers. She's been, she was raised in that life. Right, right, right. And mm-hmm. she's connected with this wealthy man. Okay, right. <laughs> and somehow gotten his wife out of the way and now she done moved herself right on in and she's wreaking <laughs> havoc every which way she goes it's mm-hmm. really really um a fun departure from anything i've ever done mm-hmm. and i get to explore some facets that i you know it's funny you step into these shoes but you also have to step into this mindset right and when you get to kind of feel the inner workings of somebody you know kind of maniacal but sane at the same time mm-hmm. it's a different kind of feeling she's fun well all your characters are fun yeah. Now, the, the, the thing that my biggest takeaway from you, you're enjoying your life. I love you're what enjoying I do. The, the opportunity that are being presented to you and you're taking advantage of it. It doesn't feel, you know, we all know it's work. Yeah. You know, you have to get up at a certain time. You have to, sometimes the set hours run longer than what they should be. And sometimes the conditions aren't what they should be. But it's about dealing with it and being a professional. Yeah. And it's about maintaining relationships. I think, and I feel you understand the value of relationships. This whole business is relationships. It's uh, likability and then it's talent. You know, you, your talent can get you in the door, but if people like you, if people understand that you are a hard worker, if people right. understand that you won't waste their time, right. you know, and on the other end, you got to be doing your due diligence too. do your savings. I'm teaching my son about credit right. and what that means and how to make sure that you're saving and getting your life together so that should God say, you know what, come sing up here, you're ready. Right. You know, um, just really, really understanding the business of it, but also understanding the relationships and the talent that comes with it. I'm talking important. to uh, Demetria McKinney. She's the star of the new series. I'm going to say star. There's other people. Oh, on, but bless you, you. But I'm interviewing you. So you're my star hey. of the new series, Motherland, Fort Salem. It's, set, it's, a, it's a, a series, a drama, one hour drama yep. that said, uh, it's just say action drama. Yes. Action drama. We said in alternate America where witches, she's a witch, uh-huh. a drill sergeant, drill sergeant witch, right? That's ended right. their persecution over 300 years by cutting a deal with the U.S. government to fight government. I said government. To fight the government I said government. You know, government. Government cheese. You know what? It, it, it'll, it'll come said, out somehow. I say I, I, I try. I said government. <laughs> I, I can't believe I said government. U.S. government. <laughs> Keep that in, please. Government. They need to understand where I came from. In straight fifth ward, Houston, Texas. And I ate some government cheese. Okay, I If you go to Wahlberg on their menu, they have government cheese. No, they don't. Yes, they do. If you go to Wahlberg Burgers, they have a, you can get government cheese. Okay, right up there for the, with your hamburgers. Okay, let me just uh, say, uh, uh, cutting a deal with the U.S. government to fight for their country. Uh, as we wrap up, 
just tell us about the series so we can drive people there on uh, March 18th, which is a Wednesday, on Freeform, which is a was a part of the parent company of Disney, mm-hmm. ABC, that whole world out there. Yes. And Freeform has delivered a lot of great shows, and I watch them on a regular basis. So it's not a network that I'm, you know, not foreign to. Right. So tell us about the show as we go. <clears throat> Come join us on the trip that is Motherland. You get to experience a whole new world. You get to experience the ups and downs of becoming uh, a warrior, a witch, a woman. Right. You know, there's a lot of different twists and turns. It's exciting as all get out. And I'm on there. Right. I mean, come on. I'm on there. Right. So come on Show over. Shofo. 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 March 18th, Freeform. <laughs> and also, I believe that there's a connection to Hulu. So if you don't necessarily know how to get to that, mm-hmm. stay tuned. And Hulu mm-hmm. will be releasing information for that as well. And then this summer, you'll be coming back to promote the House, House of, of Pain. Pain. Return of the House of Pain. I'm so proud of that series. Yes. Alan Payne is my boy. So AP. you know, I love to bring AP up here. Yeah, with come you. on. CJ and Janine can be chilling. Cassie, I had on the show uh, last season, and so I probably I might try to get as many, many, many Davis. I know him, Levan. And so if I can get like four or five, let's just let's make a, a fun, a fun evening, morning, or evening, whatever time I can get them up here, let's get them. I up better here. be ready. We're gonna be ready because I because I can know how to talk. <laughs> I know I can handle you, and you are, you actually with nine people up here. So I'm telling you, bringing up four. Uh, I, I'm, I'm you, you just trained me. You just trained. You be just ready. Trained. Stay ready. Again, I want to thank you for coming on my show. Thank Money you. making conversation is a show that I put together just to be able to have nice interviews for talent like you to come on the show we, we talk about what your contributions are currently but there's a journey and the journey people need to hear and hopefully the stories that you've shared with my listeners will allow them to see that she did it and she did it. she's doing it her way she didn't manipulate anything she didn't she didn't do anything that made her feel uncomfortable no. to be successful i want to thank you for coming on my show thank you so much for having me. my next guest grew up in south carolina's low country you hear me my next guest i'm just gonna let everybody know when you say low country that's a different world down there good eating world down there good people world down there my next guest grew up in south carolina's low country He's a well-renowned, world-renowned opera singer and the winner of both a Grammy Award and Tony Award for the cast recording of Porgy and Bess by George Gershwin with the Houston Grand Opera. Everybody knows I'm from Houston, Texas. He is also a James Beard Award-winning chef and restaurateur. You have seen him as a judge on Top Chef, appeared on the Food Network on such shows as Recipe for Success and Throwdown with Bobby Flay and NBC's NBC's The Today Show. Here's a new cookbook out, Meals, Music, and Musics, Recipes from My African-American Kitchen by African-American Kitchen. He is a James, Board, James Beard Award-winning chef and restaurateur. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations for the very first time. I'm going to call him a good friend because I like the way he talks and I like the way he eats. My man, Alexander Smalls. <laughs> Hi there. Nice to be here. Well, how you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, on my show, Money Making Conversation, we have our, we're going to talk about the book, but I always like to take people on the journey to how we got to this book because you have a very interesting bio, which is incredible. You know, you come from the low country area of South Carolina. Can you give us a l- little bit of how you started in life and how you arrived at this point? Well, you know, I was very, very fortunate uh, with uh, loved ones, uh, family and friends, uh, surrounding me, and at an early age, I took to music. Uh, music uh, was how I expressed myself and how I uh, realized my own sort of artistic talents. Um, and then I discovered that those same instincts translated into the kitchen, and I would spend time with uh, with my mother. Uh, right. My most favorite time was uh, 
preparation for Sunday dinner mm-hmm. on Saturday night mm-hmm. into Sunday morning. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I had a, an uncle who was a chef and an aunt who was a classical pianist. Wow. And they, they shaped, uh, really, my education and my artistic expression. I could uh, go to their house and play the piano and get a cooking lesson. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, when did the singing lesson come in? When did that part come in? Well, you know, as a as a young boy, I, I, oddly enough, I was fascinated by opera mm-hmm. and opera singers. And, uh, you know, some of us remember the Ed Sullivan show. I, I remember uh, it. I remember when I read yes, your bio. I said, so, me and him, we're in the same hunting grounds. We're in the same hunting grounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed Sullivan would have on opera singers, Leontine Price, uh, Marion Anderson, mm-hmm. Van Clyburn, classical pianist. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Joan Sutherland, all mm-hmm. these people, and I was fascinated by it. My father had a fantastic uh, tenor voice, mm. and I got a little of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I was in the mirror trying to reenact all these people I saw on television. Wow! Mm-hmm. And my uncle, who was a big opera buff, which was you know, my uncle moved back to South Carolina. He was living in Harlem for years. Uh, to when I was born, to be a part of raising you know, what they thought would be, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, but, mm. you know, I had other plans. Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Love it, love it. You know, it's, it's really interesting because uh, in my life, you know, like I said, uh, it's similar in path, you know, I was, uh, right. I, I love musicals. I, I, I couldn't get enough of Doris Day growing up, you know, I just loved it <laughs> to death, you know. And, of course, I was also, you know, when you saw a black person on Ed Sullivan, man, the, the neighborhood stopped. Okay. Right. The neighborhood. You stopped. remember when people used to say a black person's on TV? Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> hurry up. Hurry up now. It was with the word hurry up because you know that set. Once that set was done, they were gone now. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't know when the next one's gonna come on. You know, we exactly. grew up in a world where uh, how long they were gonna be on. Right. You know, we grew. You know, so Alexander, we grew up when the when the TV went off. <laughs> you know, when oh, the Star funny. Spangled Banner came on, you right. knew it was the time TV to go to bed. Off, baby. <laughs> oh, baby, it's time to go to bed. The flag is on TV. Time to go right. to bed. Well, it weren't but six channels. I mean, come on. <laughs> but that was a great life because creatively, all we had to do, you know, was just think about what was being offered to you, and that's what that's the right. story. Like, you know, my in, in middle school, I was a first chair. Uh, uh, B flat clarinetist, clarinet player, and then I moved over to tenor saxophone and alto saxophone, and uh, wow. and then in high school I, I walked away from it, and I just wanted I just discovered some other thing. But you kept your craft moving along, and I, that's why I, I say that's a that's a blessing because of the fact that we are here today to talk about all the the the, the, the talent that you and all the experiences, like you say, you travel worldwide. Talk about uh, in, in developing these various. This is not your first cookbook. And all these various this restaurants. This is the third one. This is the third one because you just won a, a 2019 James Beard Award, correct? For your right, last that was book. For between Harlem and Heaven. Yes, and it was a celebration celebration of the food of the African diaspora on five continents. Now, now, with that being said, uh, would you call yourself a foodie or a person who just enjoys food? You know, which is a difference. Well, now. you know. Okay, I'm gonna have to be honest. I'm I'm not sure what a foodie is. You know, I, <laughs> I, 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 I ne- and I have so many banners to wear. Right, right, right. Um, what what I am is, um, and it's changed over the years because 
you know, basically, I started out being maybe what you call a foodie. Right. Uh, and then, then I became a creative actor. There you go. And became a chef mm-hmm. and restaurateur. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had five restaurants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, uh, then uh, I, I started to interpret or use food to interpret heritage and legacy right. and where we came from and our contribution. So, you know, I'd have to say to you that at this point in my life, I'm a culinary activist. There you go. There you go. That's where I've graduated to. And, that, and that's, <laughs> that's important because, like I said, you know, this book we're going to get into is, a, you know, the book we're talking about, and why he called the show is Meals, Music, and Muses, Recipes from My African-American Kitchen. Now, let's go back to a little bit about uh, why, why that title for this particular book. Because, like I said, in 2019, you won a James Beard Award for your previous cookbook. Right. Then this book, well, so this is like back-to-back now, Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because, you know, I, I want this one to win some titles, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, Jay. I'm going to tell you something, Alexander. This may win it. This, this is a very good book. This well, is a very good book. alone. I mm. mean, this is a gorgeous book, if yes. I say so myself. Mm. Well, <laughs> let, let, let's talk about who wrote the book with you. I, I, it was Veronica Chambers. And I want to just now, bring up. Major powerhouse. I, I want to just Absolutely. bring I'll be remiss if I don't let everybody know that she was involved in this book. And she, she was also and, a recipient. And involved in Between Harlem and Heaven, my previous Absol- book. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this person here, you know, if you don't know her history as a writer, you know, you know, she's a, she's an amazing person, and they call her a, 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 just, a, just a, a, a person who just writes and has the skill level to cross over that, that has written books with uh, Beyonce and so many other people out there. Now, she did a previous book with you, correct? Yes, Between Harlem and Heaven. Okay, cool. And what I would say to you about Veronica Chambers is mm-hmm. that she has the ability to be a non-intrusive writer. Right. Mm-hmm. She has the ability to keep your voice intact. Right. And your writing's intact. Which is important. Um, and she, she, she cradles it. And she, uh, she sort of weaves uh, 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 an ambiance or landscape around your words right. that, that take you. And then she pushes you. Right. And then she helps you see uh, how in places to expand the narrative and to be more inclusive. I mean, she is a, a brilliant soul herself. And... It, it, it's been a pleasure to do these two books with her. Congratulations again on that because of the fact that you won a James Beard Award for that Harlan and Heaven book that she did with you. And then she's worked with Michael Strahan on his book, Robin Roberts on her book, Beyonce. It's so many, uh, Cecilia Cruz on her book. It's so many, yeah. it's so many, it's, it's, it's a great history of, uh, if you, if you Google her name, do it because of the fact that the culture that she brings in her writing style to, to the African-American culture, I think it's really important because we need writers like that. It's very They're, important. It's very and you important. know what I would also say is, uh, I mean, you know, uh, writing these books, creating any kind of work of excellence, you need a good recipe. Yes, yes, and yes. And along with a good recipe, you need excellent ingredients. And that's what uh, I feel I had on this book. I mean, you know, I had some extraordinary uh, people, uh, part of my team, uh, to uh, and Veronica, who headed that, yes, to, to make sure that it came to life in this brilliant way. Okay, cool. I'm talking to uh, Alexander Smalls, his book, Meals, Music, and Muses, Recipes from My African-American Kitchen. Okay, more than 75 Creole and Low Country recipes are in this book. 
Now, <laughs> this book is an interesting book because it, it has that musical flavor in it, you know. And I, what I did was I went to each chapter. And I started, you know, because I, I don't want to give away the entire book, but I did select some some of my favorites from each chapter because the pages are bent. Nice. They're folded, okay? So we, mm-hmm. we, we're we going to go to the first chapter, which is the starters chapter. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try to make this this weekend. Carolina bourbon, uh-huh. barbecue shrimp, and okra skewers. Yes. Now you're in for a treat, my friend. And interestingly enough, in this chapter... Which is called jazz. Jazz chapter. Um, the, 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 that recipe is not only a wonderful starter, yes. but it's also a nice entree. Yes, it is. And that's why I was kind of confused when I saw it starters. <laughs> I went, this feels like a meal, but nothing negative when I say that. But it was like, it, in, the, in the pictures of, the picture of it is fantastic, by the way. Like you said earlier, the photographs and the book, the storytelling of the artists that you're featuring is, to, to, to sell each chapter was really elegant. It's really, it's like a, you know, it's, if it was not a recipe book, Alexander, you could actually put this on your table. And just, yes. You know well, what I'm I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's the, the whole idea is that you should be able to eat with your eyes uh, and, and, and your senses as you read these recipes. I always tell people a recipe uh, is essentially a way to get to a destination. Right. A recipe is a guide. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that you are cooking when all of a sudden you're making my dish and something says to you, I need a little cinnamon in that. Right. I need right. a little cayenne in that. Right. I, you know, uh, or a little pinch of cumin. I know it's not here, but that's when you really start to live a recipe and bring it to life. Well, you know, the thing about your book, this is what I always tell people, because, you know, I've been interviewing people, uh, booking cast shows. You know, Steve Harvey was one of my talents, and I did his talk show. We did Morning Drive for 16 years together, and, and uh, on my show, I've been doing it since 2017. So I've gotten to read a lot of cookbooks, Alexander. So it has allowed me to understand what's a good book and what's a book that, okay, I don't know what they're doing over there, but they just need to stop calling it a cookbook. <laughs> Or oh, recipe book, whatever name they want to give. This is outstanding. This book is outstanding. I'm going to tell you why, because listen to this quick recipe I'm going to give everybody before we go to break. The Carolina Bourbon Barbecue Shrimp and Okra Skewers. This is quick right here. Six wooden skewers, 12 medium okra, 18 large shrimp, vegetable oil, salt and pepper, two cups of Carolina barbecue sauce, and you tell everybody how to make it. Now, if that's not going to run you out of the kitchen, that, that's going to keep you in the kitchen. And that's what a lot of recipe books do. They run you out because you go, I can't do that. That's too hard. Because they, the measurements, get they get caught up in the measurements and the accuracy. This feels like I'm in the kitchen with my mom. You know, because if you go in the kitchen right. with your mom, it, there are no such things as measuring cups. It will confuse right. you because if it is a measuring cup, you can't even read the numbers on the side anymore. Okay, so she know what right. a quarter is, a half, a third, and all that stuff. Uh, if you if you don't know, if you don't believe her, work with her. That's why it's hard right. to get recipes from elders because they oh, just absolutely. cook it, they just bake it, and we in there trying to go. How much is that? Is that a is that a pinch? Is that a pinch means that's an eighth? Just grab some stuff and put in there, boy. Go on by my business. <laughs> that's what I felt your book was. I felt your book was like, was, yeah. you just go, get out of my way. Y'all, y'all just messing up my kitchen. I just see Alexander just coming to the kitchen. Well, y'all just get out. Just get out of this kitchen. I got this. I don't need I don't no want measuring this spoon. this to be an intimidating moment for you. You know, I, I, the recipes are meant to be used. Yes. It's not just a, a book that you look at the nice pictures and go, oh, how nice. 
Yes. Oh, I wish I, I, I could make that. No, you can make it. Yes. And, yes. And this is what we've created here. Wow, and you created something special. We're going to be right back with my man. I, I, I hope you're enjoying this because I'm enjoying it because we're about to get into some more recipes and go through each chapter a little bit just to give you a journey because each chapter has a story to tell as to why he's doing it and how he's selling it. Also, more importantly, he has a spiritual chapter and he has a gospel chapter, and I want to know the difference between the two. We'll be right back with more Money-Making Conversation. And my guest, James Beard, awardee, Grammy awardee, Tony Award awardee, Alexander Smalls. Money Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action. Hi, this is Rashawn McDonald, and you're listening to Money Making Conversations. My guest is a 2019 recipient of a James Beard Award for his cookbook, Between Harlan and Heaven. He was recently uh, bestowed the Creative Spirit Award from the Black Alumni of Pratt by the infamous Cicely Tyson. On the show today, he has a new book out, and I'm really excited about this book to share with my audience because, you know, everybody knows how I love food. Uh, my birthday is tomorrow, so everybody knows I will be eating up a storm, desserts left and right, and I'll be posting it all on my social media. This book right here, I want to post on my social media. It's called Meals, Music, and Muses, Recipes from My African-American Kitchen. This man is from the low country of South Carolina. His name is Alexander Smalls. Now, when I keep saying low country, would you explain to everybody what I'm talking about when I say low country, Alexander? Well, the low country is below sea level. Low country is the (laughs) southern part of South Carolina, uh, the Outer Banks, um, uh, out of banks of Georgia, so you you down there in Geechee Island, there you Gullah go. Island. There you go. And I mean, good food, good people down there. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It, it's a it's a lot of water down there, so mosquitoes will kill you. I'm just going down right. there. You to go down there, brother. If you got problems with mosquitoes, you don't want to go down to Charleston Low Country area. <laughs> just, just gonna let you know about that no, right you now. Don't. Especially you know, when the heat is up. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And so, so, so when I when I when I go through this book and I start reading these various chapters, let's talk about why you named each chapter the way you named it before we get into other recipes. There, Alexander. Well, that's 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 a brilliant question, my friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really about uh, my life through the lens of musical disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, and and certainly coming from a Southern family. Uh, my mother was Episcopalian, but my father was Baptist. Right. So, you know, Baptist won out. Yes, sir. And, you know, <laughs> while mother was not, uh, she would kind of roll her eyes when the folks started shouting and carrying on. Um, <laughs> she was respectful. You know, right, you know, right, right, right. Wasn't, wasn't her thing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, in the South, I mean, you're there with the richness of, of music. And, and African-American music was foundational. Um, I was the odd kid who was singing classical music and reciting Shakespeare. Uh, and folks were like, <laughs> where, where did that boy come from? You know? But, yes. But, it, you know, it, it, it was part of my life. So at this season in my life, I like to say, mm-hmm. I now have a view of life. Right. Um, you know, I have had uh, several careers pursued several interests and passions. I've been very fortunate to indulge all of my passions and joys and still doing so. 
but what really shaped my life was food and music. Absolutely. And so how could I bring those two things together in a way that um, essentially shares uh, with the world who I am and what is important to me at the same time share my gifts and, and uh, give them a little grace. You know, so, it's, it's really special that you're saying it that way because when I think about, you know, let's talk about the African-American community, you know, music and food, you know, backyard, you know, yes. you know, whenever the food, what, what happens when the food's really good? We start humming. Mm, 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 we sing. Mm. No, no, no. We sing, we sing when we're making it. Come on we now. We sing when we're eating it. Come on now. I mean, this is just what we do. <laughs> Alexander, And then you. we dance. Oh, come on now. Get going. We could be sitting down. Yeah, come and on now. And our legs start moving and carrying on. Oh, it's a mess. Okay. You know, you know, backing up. You know what I'm talking about, Alexander? Oh, this is good. Yeah. Backing up. And then coming forward. Ooh, just come uh, on. No, oh. you know, this is why they used to say, don't sing it at the table. Right, My mother right, was a stickler. Right. Stop that singing, boy. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't sing it at the table. Mm-hmm. Couldn't help it. <laughs> you know, you've been into one of those buttermilk biscuits oh, or 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 uh, some fried chicken. Oh, you know, stop right there. Stop some, right there. Stop right there. Chicken and dumplings. Stop right there, Alexander. <laughs> fried. I, I looked at that picture of fried, that fried chicken in the book here. Because, see, yeah. I'm going to tell you something, man. <laughs> I, I, I love fried chicken. Never have done it right. Never have done it right. But I saw that. Well, this pic- recipe will get it I'm to t- you I'm right. I'm telling you something. Because you got buttermilk in there. I saw that. See? I saw buttermilk what in there. What a Okay. See, that was my favorite chapter. There. I'm gonna, let me go down to it right here. Because I have, because you know, like I told you, I went through various, through your whole book, and I went to one chapter. This one chapter, the Divas chapter. That's open oh, night yeah. dishes, meat and chicken. That chapter, I pulled about <laughs> six recipes from that chapter alone there. I'm, well, that'll set you right. Okay, now, I started with the Southern Fried Chicken. That's on page 131. See, I'm ready for you, man. What you ain't going to do is go to my show and act like I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the one, you man. Got it. That's the one with a picture. The chicken looks just like Kentucky Fried Chicken. That, 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 look at that. Look at that. Look at that right there. You know, the, that looks like the original, original recipe. I'm telling you right there. I'm so mad looking at this chicken right here. Cause it looks so. Oh my goodness! I'm showing my producer. Come on, I'm showing he 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 thought I was lying, but I had to show him the picture of that. That right, that southern fried chicken. Now I got me a master built, you know, uh, uh, deep fryer. So I already got that. And you said, Rashawn, this what I'm 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 acting like you're talking to me right now with your book. Okay. You know, two two uh three pound chicken two uh uh of chicken cut in small eight pieces, two cups of buttermilk. That right there, I think that's the key right there. There's two cups mm. of buttermilk. Then you said one tablespoon of garlic powder, one tablespoon of onion powder, one tablespoon of cayenne pepper. That's key right there. And then you come yeah. back with the sweet paprika. And then you got to have that. smoky. You, you, know? Know you know what I'm saying? Then you got to come up with that salt and pepper. Got to have that salt and pepper right up in there. Mm-hmm. Then you came up with the peanut oil. Like I said, I'm good because I got the Master Bill deep fryer. I already got the peanut yeah. oil in there. Now, here's the, here's the question I got to ask you. When do you know that the chicken's done? <laughs> you know, does it pop, does it float to the top, or do how do you, that's the only one that's the only thing making me nervous right now, Alexander? Walk me through that last stage. Of, um, I got it in there. You said eight to ten minutes. Turn the pieces carefully and fry it to golden brown. Usually, usually take five to six minutes. 
Woo! Because you know I can't I can't bite in no chicken that's not all the way done. So that's just right. follow these rules. But you know the secret is to make sure that your oil is at the right temperature. Yes. And, yes. And seeing how you have that fancy uh, deep fryer, there you, you go. Can set the temperature <laughs> because oh. that that's the key. I mean, you know, you can tell people what to do, yes, but if sir. they don't get that temperature right, it's gonna be a mess. I, that's okay? right. That's right. That's right. If it's too high, the the, the chicken will brown too fast. You Absolutely. know, and Absolutely. if it's too low, it's, uh, the oil is going to be full of uh, soggy oil. So you got to get that right. And then the instructions here will just move you right through it, my man. See, see, You'll I, be see, fine. See, you know what I like about Alexander? He know he know I got the vibe going with him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he know I'm on point. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. In this book, you had a recipe for something I have not eaten since I was a teenager. Okay? Pan-fried rabbit. Come on now. Uh, Tastes just like chicken. True. Come on now. <laughs> you know, you know, you got to have some rabbit. I mean, you know, see, my 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 father and the and the men of uh, his brothers and uh-huh. my grandfather, they were hunters. Right, right. You know, they had guns. <laughs> <laughs> see, well, I saw the rabbit, and then you followed that up with the venison, the marinated venison, the venison roast. Absolutely. I- I have never, Absolutely. ever even thought of eating something with a roast of venison. Man. Oh, it's so good. Man, it's so good. But listen, and, and it, it, it's, uh, it doesn't have a lot of fat. So right. It's, it's very lean right. and full of protein. And, you know, I mean, the, the only way you mess it up is you cook it too long because it doesn't have that, that fat yes. running through it yes. in that way. So you have to really make sure that you... And it's uh, it's best that when it's medium, right? As opposed to well done, you know. I mean, I, it it shocks me that people go out here and spend all this money on steak, and yes. they kill the thing again. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, I, and, and I had to I had to learn that too because I was killing a lot of steaks at one time in my life. Yeah, I gotta, man, you got to have a little pink. You're right. I mean, you I was know, a well done do. king. They ain't gonna kill you. But I was a well done king. I walked into one of his restaurants. And I said, I, I can't I can't let you do my meat like that, sir. All right, I, yeah, right. He said, "You just why are you why are you eating eating it?" I said, "You no, but wait a, a minute now. Now the uh, uh, the one thing you didn't mention, yes, sir. which is a Carolina uh, 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 specialty. Um, uh, we are known for this item, and that's the quail." Oh, well, I'm not trying to give away everything. Uh, I'm just going. Uh, see, see, see uh, uh, all I'm just telling you is that this book is great. I'm just this is Rushon and Alexander just having a conversation. How I pick some, right. some, I mean, some home runs out of this book, and there's yes, still grand slams yes, left in this book. Okay, now the interesting thing about it is that when you say quail, you say rabbit, you say venison, I, I, I have not received a cookbook that had that in it. And then you did. Yeah, especially a contemporary one. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And then here's the thing I love to death the bourbon praline candied baked ham. Baby, listen. Now, I left that ham. (laughs) This is a very famous ham, I have to tell you. Um, uh, When I, years ago, when I first started my career, before my first restaurant, uh, the New York Times did a special on me entertaining uh, at my house in the country. Uh, we're talking over 25 years ago. Right. And the centerpiece of this article in the New York Times uh, uh, magazine mm-hmm. was that bourbon praline ham. Mm-hmm. Now, it's something I came up with and, and, and accompanied with a black eyed pea and arugula salad. I needed, I needed a couple of stars because I wanted to make sure when you get the opportunity to do something 
as uh, you know, uh, for the New York Times. Right. You need to make sure they remember you. Right. Right. So that bourbon praline ham that was coated, it, it looked like a candy apple ham. It, it, and it, it does. I mean? it, <laughs> it does. It just glazed, that praline. And that became the signature piece. Brian Gumbel used to uh, uh, um, <laughs> request that ham. Every time I do the Today Show, he wow. wanted that ham on that show. Yes. Then when he moved to see CBS, the same thing. <laughs> and uh, and, and it, it, it's a killer ham. My first cookbook, I made the mistake of leaving it out. Wow. Oh, you would have thought it was a revolution. And I didn't do it on purpose. I <laughs> right, literally right, forgot to right, ham in there. Right, right. Well, you know, like I, like I told you, I read your book now. Like, you, as you can see, I'm, I'm pulling out some home runs out of here. Now, I'm going to yeah, tell you, see, this is the country boy in me. This is the country boy in me. Okay, when yeah. I saw the braised oxtails with turnips oh, yeah. and okra, yeah, you know, because everybody do collard greens, everybody do mustard greens, but turnips, turnips. Well, I will tell you, as a child, I didn't like collard greens. Mm. I only liked turnip greens, mm. and I like. And this is something I don't know if you know what poke salad is. Do you know what poke salad is? No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. Mm-mm. Poke salad is like like a collard green or turnip uh, or a turnip green that grows wild. Right. And it's, it's a wild green that we eat in the South. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my mother would mix uh, uh, the turnip greens with the poke uh, salad. Right. Um, and, and then roast the turnips and lay them on top of the turnip greens. My favorite. So I didn't start eating collard greens, really, until I was an adult. Right, right. And so I wanted to bring back that experience of the turnip greens and the oxtails and okra. Now, uh, in all my travels uh, throughout, uh, uh, well, the world, including South America, I end up in Brazil uh, at a luncheon at uh, a dear friend. And what does his housekeeper cook make for us? <laughs> Oxtails with with okra. Woo! And I'm like, here we are. Yes, sir. people all over the world. Yes, sir. We're, you know who we are by yes, what sir. we eat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's yeah. beautiful. Okay, now, you know, we've talked about all this good food. Then I go to the jukebox music chapter. That's your bread, <laughs> biscuits, and muffins. Because see, I'm going to tell you something. My wife gets on my nerves because, you know, I'll tell her I'm on a diet. I still eat cornbread. I still eat my I, I eat my bread now. I'm a, I'm a bread. I'm gonna go to the grave eating bread. I'm gonna eat especially cornbread. Right. I'm going to. I'm just, here come my here come your magic elixir again. Buttermilk. See, this man know what to do with buttermilk. See, and it's oh, yeah. making me so mad because buttermilk is hard to find in the grocery store. They got a little well, bit. It is, isn't it? It's, it makes me mad because I use buttermilk. See, I'm, I'm gonna tell you how country I am. I give me a glass of buttermilk. Put sugar in that bad boy, and I crumble me up some cornbread in there, and I'm yeah, set. You I'm set, yeah, Alexander. I'm set, brother. I am Maybe. set. <laughs> we, we, we used to call that the poor man's dessert. Go on, go on, Alexander. I am I set, brother. Listen, I know who you are. Okay? <laughs> I, I had friends. My my aunt, who used to teach me classical piano, uh-huh. she liked. She would burn the uh, the cornbread, the the day old old cornbread. Slide in the toaster, put a little burnt on it, crumble up in a bowl, pull out the buttermilk and the sugar, just like you said. <laughs> yes, sir. Feeling yeah, good. Feel, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Here's the, here's the deal about it. If you come to my house right now, Alexander, <laughs> I will have some buttermilk in there and I'll make you feel at home. 
Cause I crumble me up some butter. I said, brother, you want you want you want some cornbread and buttermilk? And you gonna say yes? And we'll sit yes, up there in front of that fireplace, talk some stories, and I'll be right. eating with my little brother. That's what I be doing with That's you, brother. Right. Be eating with my little brother. But I want to go back because I, I jumped so far because I wanted to go back to the spiritual chapter, which is rice and okay. pasta and grits, right. and then the gospel, which is the field greens and green things. The reason I wanted to go back there because one is called spiritual. And one is called gospel. And I wanted to, before I, and I asked that question earlier, and I want to make sure before we end, end, end this interview, what is the difference between spiritual and gospel? Well, okay, so spiritual. Spiritual is your grains. Spiritual is that foundation food. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm from, rice is king. If, if my mother put down a, a meal and decided, well, she was going to do potatoes to do something different, my father would get up from the table until she had made the rice, and then he'd come back. I don't care how hungry he was. This man had to have a rice every day, twice a day. Yeah. Now, he could eat it three times a day, yeah. uh, but he would trade in the, the breakfast uh, rice for grit. There you go. So these are our, these are our spiritual grains. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, and, and this is also what we pass on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grains are, uh, are the, uh, the wheat. These are very important things to who we are and our diet. Mm-hmm. So I made them spiritual. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Now the gospel is the garden. Mm. I spent a lot of time. My grandfather, uh, who was the they referred to as a city farmer, right. because once we moved the family from South from Charleston, South Carolina, to Spartanburg, um, he then made himself a garden in his backyard that was about a, a, a half an acre. Right. And. In that garden is where so much of my greening, uh, my maturity, those talks with Grandpa. Right. I would work in a garden with him. We would grow stuff. Right. This is the gospel, you know. Right. I mean, because what you have to understand about uh, uh, black folk mm-hmm. who, uh, who come from a legacy and a heritage of enslaved um, uh, and slavery, uh, you know, um, uh, they were very spiritual because mm-hmm. coming from Africa, there was a lot of ritual, which mm-hmm. got translated into uh, um, uh, um, Christianity. But the practice was still the same. I mean, when when you when you had to, to plant in the garden, right? You had a prayer. You know, it was sacred before you killed that animal for for um, to feed your family, and that was the only reason to kill an animal. There was a prayer. Right. So this is the gospel of mm-hmm. who we are. Right. Awesome. That is that is beautiful, Staley. And I, on the spiritual, see, I, I, I fell in love with the Carolina Hopping Johns. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, because, you know, Hopping Johns, you can't buy it in the restaurant. You can't get it. It's a restaurant. I was, when I was living in Chicago doing the Steve Harvey talk show, there was a restaurant right across the street from Oprah Winfrey's old studio. That on his, on his menu, it had Hopping Johns. And I used to get it all the time. So when I saw this in your book, I said, rice and peas, I got to pull this out. And then when I went to the gospel, which is the field greens and green things chapter, you don't know how much I love sweet pickles. Sweet Uh, pickles is the pickle for me. And you got a sweet pickle (laughs) potato salad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Got to be sweet. You know, these northerners, they be putting the old pickles in the potato salad. I can't stand it, you know. I can't. I'm gonna tell you something. We, we gotta have sweet pickle relish. I'm gonna tell you something. Red and butter pickles. 
I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my man, Alexander Small. His book is Meals, Music, and Muse, Recipes for My African-American, for my African-American Kitchen. See, I knew I was in love with Alexander Small because he said one key thing in this conversation when he was talking about his dad. He said he'd have grits, he'd have rice three times a day, but he would trade out the rice for grits. Mm. I said, my man, right there. Because, <laughs> bro, I'm going to just tell you something, Mr. Smalls, I am a grit man. Yes. I love me some, because I'm going to tell you something, everybody needs to understand this. Everybody can't make grits. No. It's the people well, right again, there. Though, it starts with a good product. There you everybody go. doesn't know what good grits are. Come on and they're so busy buying, you know, this quick service grits and oh. cooking in the microwave. Oh, my God. These are grits, oh, people. Oh, my God. You go to these restaurants. They're not serving you grits. They're serving you imitation dust. There you go. There you go. There you go. Now, I'm going to close it out with the serenades chapter. That's the cake pies and pudding. Because, you know, Uh-oh. I'm a dessert guy. I'm a dessert guy. So, everybody okay. know. I got I to gotta let everybody know. Because I'm going to tell you how I am, Alexander. And we're going to meet together. We're going we gonna to definitely connect over. Because I can tell our Absolutely. relationship, our energy is right. I always, when we sit down and eat, any restaurant, I'm going to always order my dessert first. I'm going to just let you know so you won't be shocked. <laughs> Oh, I know people like you. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 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 absolutely. So you're going to go, oh, yeah, Rashad told me he was going to do this. Go, you know, you told right. me. So you won't be shocked. You won't be looking at me like I'm crazy. Ask for the dessert menu first. I, go, I know people like you, okay? Dude, dude, and, and, and then people turn around me. He can't gain no weight either. He makes me sick. Oh, whatever, whatever. I'm going to eat my dessert. And then because people all get stunned, they go, uh, do you want a meal? You want the menu? Yes, sir. I want that too. I just want my dessert first. So there were two desserts that popped out. One was a classic that I looked at. Because I, 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 you're adding something a little bit different in your sweet potato pie. I think I'm going to add in mine. Because mine is good, Alexander, but I can tell it's not like my mom's. And I, mm. and I looked at your recipe. I go, he's adding something. And so I, I, I'm going to try your recipe. And I think it's going to be the magic one because everything else in that book and just hearing your personality, I think you're going to bring me on home with the right sweet potato pie. And then, <laughs> then, then you had the ice box lemon pie. Brother, oh, yeah. If you, you know, it's, 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 one of, it's one of the things. You know, you know when you're standing next to people and you're eating something good, you just push them on the shoulder? Get out of right. here. You, 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 you're so stupid. You make me sick. So I be, you, get, you know, I'll be saying every negative thing to you, Alexander, but it's all love. You make me sick. I know. You're a fool. I know, right? You stupid. This is ridiculous. Well, that's what that icebox pie will do for you, okay? When I was a kid, it was one of the first pies I learned to make, and, and, my, and I would make two, one for the family and one for me. And that was my thing. I would make those. And and interestingly enough, my mother let me eat as much as I wanted to. Yes, sir. Because she knew that that would be that lemon revenge. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You eat too much of that, it's coming back to this <laughs> you in the most interesting way, okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, so, so stop it two pieces at a time, okay? <laughs> this, is a, this is an amazing book, my friend. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Meals, Music, and Music, Recipes from My African-American Kitchen by the Brilliant Alexandra Small and the equally brilliant Veronica Chambers. 2019, you won a James Beards Award for your cookbook. I'm sure you are in the running again in 2020, my friend. I want to thank you. I'm going to support this on my social media. Where can they buy the book right now before we leave the airways? Uh, it is everywhere. I mean, Amazon is featuring it, um, uh, but also your local, uh, local. check with your local bookstores. Yes, sir. Yes, we sir. have to keep them alive. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And see what they have. And 
but uh, absolutely, you can find it in all the, the, the normal places. I'm going to tell my team to make sure they get some uh, social media banners so I can uh, run it. I got like a million social media followers, so I'm going to support you, my friend. Oh. I love uh, what well, you're doing. Uh, you got another one, too. I'm there. Good. I <laughs> agree. <laughs> Again, uh, thank you for calling Money Making Conversations. This is Money Making Conversations. If you want to hear any episodes on my show, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.